raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Towards left field on its way out of here. Home run, Seiya Suzuki is ninth. All Cubs 16-6. Cubs are gonna win today. So here's my question, Mark. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying this to be like obstinate, like. It's a regular season series. Like, why are we acting oh, like this is the NLCS? Oh, calm down. You can't have a little friendly rivalry going here. 36 runs in two games. I mean, it's unbelievable. I I, I would attribute that more to the Reds pitching just completely collapsing. Well, the comedy it, of errors that was their defense yesterday was like yeah, four that, straight I mean, plays of like bouncing the ball around. Uh, th- there was one. It was a Fairchild and center that like got, I mean, it was like Keystone Cops. Two runs. At that point, it was 5-3, and then they tied it at 5-5, and you're like, you could kind of – it was watch, It was like watching Clark Griswold trying to stop water at the Hoover Dam. Yeah, I, I choose to wake up on this Thursday morning and see half-game lead. I see the Cubs in third place in the Central. That's right. That doesn't and seem like it's going to last very long if they keep hitting the way they are. You know, the bottom line is if the Reds were doing this to the Cubs, there would be no reason to have some big celebration. No, we wouldn't right? have any, re- you know, You'd be like, yeah, special that's what intro to, to the show. Right. No I would regular assume. season win has been celebrated like this. Last night, Jake, did you see the parade on Waveland? Yeah, that's right. Uh huh. Was everybody heading to the bars last night for the for the Cubs as they celebrate being in third place in the NL Central? Oh, uh, good don't hate. Thursday morning to you, Kevin and Query here live in Westfield as it has been really throughout camp. I guess the one day we were at the State Fair was the only ugly weather day. Looks like another pretty. Nice morning here at Grand Park. It is an earlier start time to training camp. So I know that 10 a.m. has been the morning practice time throughout camp so far. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know why it's bumped up a little bit earlier, but I think for the rest of camp of the final four morning practices that we'll have up here, three of them will start at 9 o'clock. So I would assume a little bit more activity in front of us, Jake, and at some point, in the nine o'clock hour, they're going to come out here and practice. Uh, are we going to get like the the sound effects of some pads popping, or maybe somebody an errant play run right into us? Which you know, be maybe cool? a little bit later in the nine o'clock hour. But I would assume this field would be the one primarily used as well. I feel like they've used kind of that south field a little bit more. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, certainly keep an eye on that as it is day six of Colts training camp and a little bit of activity yesterday on the waiver wire for the Colts, and I think actions can speak louder than words at times, so we'll certainly touch on all that. Zach Kiefer, by the way, going to join us uh, pretty early in the show, 7.30. I thought Zach had an uh, extremely informative piece on Jonathan Taylor. I know Zach has taken more of a national angle with things now uh, on The Athletic, but clearly this Jonathan Taylor story is a national story. Are, are we going to talk and about the... I thought Zach did a nice job. Are we going to talk about the big news of the day? Kev, uh, Jake's Jake's guy getting released. I couldn't believe it. I said. Jake drove him to the airport. I did. I said, look, this guy just looks the part. 
All airport team. I was right. <laughs> he looked good. <laughs> that was he probably your quickest prediction. To hit. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be telling Johnny honest. King, the wide receiver out of Southeast Missouri State. Jake and him a tour of Crown Hill Cemetery last night. Right. They went to the Rascaller and then Sayonara. When Jake brought up the name yesterday, I'm like, is he even still on the team? That, that was my first thought. I was like, I really don't remember. <laughs> he, might, he might not have been by then, Kevin. I, there's no way Reggie Wayne would have known who he was. I, I know. I was not going to put Reggie Wayne in that situation. Hey, tell me about Johnny King, man. He looks good out there going through warm-ups. Well, here's the thing. No, oh, funny you mentioned that, Jake. Uh, we're actually going to see you, buddy, a little bit later. We have a little more room in the in the room. Um, they released him yesterday, and to make up that spot on the roster, signed Amari Rogers out of Clemson, who was a good player at Clemson, uh, was a high draft pick of the, of the Packers, I think might have had some health issues initially. Um, Major fumble issues, right? Sounds like that's kind of the big thing. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Here's where, and I, I, I'm not saying he's going to make the roster by any stretch, but he was a big recruit at Clemson. I mean, he was part of, you know, Clemson. It's hard to say because when he was at Clemson, he was sharing the field with Justin Ross and T. Higgins and Travis Etienne. And, you know, I mean, he had some – but in his senior year, he was kind of Trevor Lawrence's safety net. He is the master of the bubble screen or the quick, the quick play right at the line and then sliver for five to seven yards, um, you know, to, to about the linebackers and, and pick up a quick first down, that kind of thing. That was Amari Rogers' game in college. Now, I, I realize that doesn't translate. That's not automatic to the NFL. But my point being, if for some reason he were to make the roster – that's the kind of player he is, a get-a-quarterback-in-rhythm receiver, where you just, you know, Clemson would run a lot of that no-huddle of just boom, quick slant, boom, bubble screen, boom, right, you know, literally like catching at the line of scrimmage, like not even getting off the line, turning around, quick reception, three- to five-yard burst. That was his game. Uh, does that translate to what – because that is the kind of player the Colts, whenever you're trying to get a young quarterback comfortable, you know, that's beneficial, but – it's not to say he's going to be able to do it here. Uh, eight games for Rodgers last year. The Packers, he fumbled five times. Yeah, I mean that. Hence the reason why he is on the open market when you have these 90-man rosters right now in camp. I do think that signing coupled with a few of the other moves the Colts have made, much more significant this offseason at wideout, is a reminder of Shane Steichen's influence. That's something I do want to get into. I smell a the manure bit later. Again. Do you smell the manure uh, on the show? Is that the uh, that actually smells more like the Portalette truck? Maybe they're cleaning it here. Uh, yeah, that's, that happens time. at racetracks every once in a while. You're sitting there and you're like, "Whoa, what is the toxic waff that just rolled over here like fog on the Golden Gate?" And then you turn around and look, and the Portalette truck's driving away. And you're like, "Yeah, okay." You know, one thing I obviously don't want to harp on it very long. Do you not smell that? I, I, I do not. Um, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Kevin, once again, I have an incredible sense of smell. Go ahead as you are. I don't want to overreact, as Mark clearly is, to you know whatever game 112 of 162-game mm-hmm. season. It is pretty darn wild right now to look at the NL standings and see how absolutely jumbled it is, particularly from a wild-card standpoint. And I feel like... Is it just me, or have the Major League Baseball playoffs changed every year for the last six years? Yes. I'm like, how many teams are in it? So you got 12 teams that will make it. Obviously, six from each league. If you look at the wild card right now, so three wild card teams will make it. You've got six teams 
in a two and a half game range of each other. I mean, it's August third, and obviously you have like the Reds and the Brewers, for example. The Reds are a half game up on the Brewers in the Central. You know, one of those teams, Milwaukee, is in the wild card race right now. But the Reds, obviously, with a loss and a and a win by by the Brewers, they would now be thrown into again a very jumbled picture. Two teams get a bye to the NLDS or ALDS with the six-team playoff in each league. So it is one of these things where, yeah, the Braves are going to run away with the number one seed in the NL, but it is very, very jumbled here as we reach the final two months of the regular season. Can you get me, Kevin, in the National League Central, can you tell me right now the way they stand, exactly how they stand? Well, I know the first three. Reds, yeah, actually, Reds, Brewers, Cubs. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you're going, you got two of them, you only got two left. Does it go Pirates, Cardinals? Yeah, that's right. St. Louis Cardinals, baby, 48 and 61. God, the Cardinals in the basement is but awesome. The, uh, I'll tell you, the, the intelligence and the class in which that organization has been 13 games below. I might be more happy about the Cardinals in the basement than the Reds at first. How about this while we're at it? You know what Cardinals fans are saying? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Can't get any lower. <laughs> I thought you were going to give us a, it was fun while it lasted from Rick Carlisle for Johnny King. I mean, that was funny that Jake's like, this is your player to watch. And then you watch him go to the no, airport I, yes, like 12 hours later. I don't believe later. I said that. I believe what I said was, I have no idea if this guy will even step on the field. But he looks the part. <laughs> I think that's what I said, right? <laughs> Although last year I did say Dallas Flowers was the player to watch because he had one play and he played at Pittsburgh State and then he made the roster. I've got to pick another one. I've got to pick another of my, my dark horses. <laughs> Nothing like going to the well for the second time in less than 24 Amari hours. Amari Rodgers. Watch out for Amari Rodgers. Yeah, I got the, the Clemson Paul right here on my computer. Let's go, Amari Rodgers. Jake Rogers. Kiss of Death. Yeah, literally yesterday with Johnny King being cut. Again, 9 a.m. practice here for the Colts. Uh, They will be off tomorrow. And then we have pretty much gotten to, I mean, we're in week two of camp. And now the schedule really lightens up in just consecutive days. They will go back-to-back Saturday and Sunday. It's a night practice Saturday. And then Sunday is the only afternoon practice of camp. You look ahead to next week. Again, the preseason opener is a week from Saturday. I don't know if you know they're treating it a little bit more like game week. The only practices they have next week are Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be up here for both of those. And then the final week of camp, so that would be two weeks from today. Two weeks from today will be the final practice of Colts camp. That will be the joint practice, the second joint practice with the Chicago Bears. They do practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that week, Wednesday and Thursday with the Chicago Bears. Uh, are we betting on the Hall of Fame game tonight? Um, gosh, I would have to know first who the participants are in the Hall of Fame game. I'm just glad it's not the Colts. Uh, participants are two AFC teams. I will go with Mark. Do you know the participants in the AFC or I, in the I, uh, NFL Hall of Fame I, game? I do. I'll go Bengals. Don't they typically go with somebody that is in the Hall of Fame class? Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Don't they typically try and do yeah, that? that's right. And i got to think who's in this year's Hall of Fame class. I, hit me with it. You are very close to the Bengals. Uh, Jets and Browns. Yeah, I, I did know that. Jets and Browns was the first ever Monday Night Football game, was it not? Really? Yeah, I believe that's correct. 33 and a half on the over-under. I mean, yeah! do you have to take the under? 
<laughs> Joe Namath is excited. Where's Susie Colbert? He's looking for Susie Colbert. Yeah. Wondering where she is, right? How does Howard Dean feel about tonight's Hall of Fame game? <laughs> That's, you know, about midway through the third, you know what Joe Namath will say if the Jets are down 14 nothing. Yeah! I no, want to kiss say, you. He'll say, I couldn't care less about the team struggling. That's what he'll say. He's got to be a little disappointed that Susie Colbert was let go. I know. Uh, Amari Rogers is T. Martin's son, Chris Presley? Correct. Said that? Uh, that's – is it T. Martin? I I, I got to think about this. I, National I, title. I don't think it's T. that Martin. T. Martin. I, I could be wrong in this. I remember that, – that may be right, actually, now that I think about it. But if I – for some reason I have this vague recollection when he was at Clemson that his father was a player, but it, and it was the namesake of a more high-profile player, if that makes sense. I could be wrong on that. I, feel I like couldn't team. care less about the team struggling. <laughs> a lot of Gs on that struggling there. I feel like uh, T. Martin interviewed for the offense coordinator job here in Indy that Jim Bob Cooter got. Uh, he is the son of T. Martin. That is correct. So, that yeah, that's right. Did T. Martin win a national title in the first year Peyton was gone? Yes. Because most people think that that was Manning, right? And was that the first BCS national title? Does that sound right? I guess right. It would have been 99, right? Or would it have been the yeah the 98 season, right? In the January of 99? Yeah, the, the, yeah. That, that does sound right. Um, the Colts yesterday worked out a trio of running backs. Field Yates from ESPN had this. And Field Yates worked out for them? I didn't know he had that good nah, of a Well, he looks like a guy that can make some plays out of the backfield, Field Yates. You know, the thing about Zach Moss going down, and, and right now the Colts are obviously very mum on the Jonathan Taylor situation. Uh, but, you know, I kind of alluded to this yesterday during the show. In the next seven to ten days, we're going to have to see some movement one way or the other. And probably the movement would be Jonathan Taylor, if he wants to play this season, he's got to get on the field. We are approaching, we are, what, about 40 days, I think, give or take, from the season opener. We have not seen Jonathan Taylor participate in an NFL practice or game in 10 months. Missed the final three games of last season. Jonathan Taylor is a guy that throughout his career has always practiced. I mean, he is not, I mean, pro, college, high school, this is extremely rare to see him not practicing and obviously not practicing for the, the length of time that he has missed here. So, if you're trying to project him for week one, and he is going to, whatever, resolve this um, stalemate, something has got to happen. So, that's why I go to the actions, Jake, are going to tell us more than the words, because the Colts are not giving us anything. Shane Steichen, nothing from a update standpoint on Taylor. Yesterday, they worked out Kenyon Drake, I think. NFL fans would recognize that name. Kenyon Drake, 29 years old, has over 800 carries in his NFL career. They also worked out Benny Snell, who most recently was with Pittsburgh, um, nearly 300 carries in his NFL career. So those two guys, just strictly based off experience, totally, totally different level than anybody else in that Colt running back room. A signing of either of them, Jake, would that indicate something with Taylor? I don't think so. Because I think what you have seen is just the, the fragility of that position. You, you can't have too many. and you all, Over the course of the year, Kevin, there have been times where – how many times have we seen where the Colts have 
you know, you have on the inactive list, like some running back that you're like, I didn't even realize, oh, yeah, they signed him on Wednesday. And, you know, or a, a guy that comes in, I mean, Jonathan Williams comes in and runs back-to-back 100-yard games. You never hear from him again. I think it's one of those positions where you are always keeping your, an eye out just to see in case. And when you have one of your guys that was critic, you know, clearly a going to be a contributor contributor this year go down with a broken arm, then you've got to get yourself some insurance at the position. And I, I just think you constantly are looking. Yeah, I, I would be stunned if they didn't make some other running back move. Right. I know they signed the kid from UND. Uh, I mean, I'll put it to Clinton. this way. If Jonathan Taylor was out there right now, taking reps and looking like a million bucks, I think they'd still have people in there looking at Sure. Um, so that, that'll that be something, I think, just to monitor a little bit. And I think we saw this when, you know, Marlon Mack would go down, for example. You know, Naheem Hines on the depth chart would be listed as the backup, but oftentimes the Colts would bump up like a Jordan Wilkins or bump up a Jonathan Williams, guys that are more used to kind of that first and second down role, whereas I think on this depth chart right now, the guys that are healthy, a lot of them are not really, in, in my opinion, you know, maybe Shane Sykin would disagree with this. Not really the first and second down guys. I think Zach Moss is much more of a you know workhorse first and second down guy. You don't necessarily want him on the field on third down. So I do think uh, some of this is for that to find more of a natural runner um, is kind of the phrase that, that 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 comes to mind. So nothing yet on a signing there, uh, but clearly some activity on the running back front for the Colts. By the way, speaking of Kenyon Drake, you ever had Drake's Lager? At Drake's restaurant, I've been to Drake's, but I don't think I've had. I didn't oh, know yeah. they had had a lager. It's just called Drake's Lager. I, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's, somebody's making it for them. I, I think it's made out of Louisville. But does it sit front row at every like major say, sporting event and cheer for the winning does team? Does it have different labels every couple months? <laughs> That's right. No, Drake's it's Lager, though. Jimmy Cook's closet of jerseys. I, I mean, I love, and I know all the places in town that have PBR on tap, but I love Drake's Lager. Like, I... I that's probably the only thing. If they put PBR in Drake's on tap, I would still go with Drake's. Lager. My wife's um, favorite meal when pregnant is the Drake's Club sandwich. I'll tell you, the Drake's teriyaki, chicken teriyaki bowl, man. And I'm not even pregnant, but it's great. You know, it's great. Well, Good place. Good news for Shannon. <laughs> we go there. How's Jerry it's, duty looking? You know, oh, you know what? Thank you for asking, Kevin. Transition here, from Jake's pregnant to uh, <laughs> Shannon's jury duty. Here's the update on Shannon's jury duty. When they came in, she got selected as, like, one of the prospective jurors, right? (laughs) One guy came in and was dressed in his scouting uniform. And he was like, this is just incredible. Boy Scout, (laughs) NFL Scout? I I think Eagle Scout. Scout. He's like, I'm an Eagle Scout, and this is a great civic opportunity. So he's, like, starting fires during the lunch break? Another guy. Here's an. All right, bring your s'mores over here. I I got a peach cobbler in the parking lot. You want to burn your hot dog? Come over here. I want to be sequestered with that guy. Um, Another another gal, apparently, when they they went in, (laughs) said out loud, all I know is that guy's guilty or else he wouldn't be here. <laughs> they weeded her out quick. Then another guy during the selection, they're like, is there anything that like would, do you think could cloud your judgment? The guy goes, yeah. And they said, what? And he said, I'm a twice felon and I've been to prison, so I'm not sending anybody there. <laughs> they weeded him out. <laughs> and then the last person got weeded out because when they asked if they had like any objections or something like that, they said, yeah, I object to that dude's tattoo. Like that's a terrible tattoo. 
tattoo on his neck God. so they weeded him out. Just such smart comments if you want to get the hell out I know. of there. So then Shannon got down to like the, I think they were taking 12 and they were down to 17. And they got to her. And, like, asked her some question, and she's like, actually, I, I think I'm getting a, a stomach cramp. And they're like, oh, okay, well, then you can go home. And then she was excused. Look at that. Wheedle your way out of jury And she duty. told me she was being legitimate. She was like, I was being serious. I think I was so nervous that, like, you know, whatever. You know, carb day and jury duty, maybe the best people watching moments you could have. I, I, lo- I, I would love to get picked for jury duty. Me too. I, I love the, the woman that just walks in and says, that guy's guilty or he wouldn't be here. <laughs> she's like, all right, dust off my and start the car back up and get on with my day. Actually, there was one other one that that she said um, when they were doing the jury selection, the defense attorney, and this woman actually was not weeded out. The woman said, all I know is I I don't like you. And the defense attorney's like, what? And she's like, I don't like attorneys. You seem to have a bad attitude. And she got selected. She made it through the... Simon Cowell it gave her the ticket to go to oh, This is awkward. Zach Kiefer is going to join us here in about 10. He had more on the Jonathan Taylor situation. I thought Reggie Wayne was really, really good with us yesterday. So we're going to re-rack that coming up. For those that missed it, I know the 9 o'clock hour continue, uh, can, can get lost in the shuffle a little bit. So we'll do that coming up. Um, again, Colts training camp, 9 a.m. is practice time today. So it is an earlier start here at Grand Park. Three of the final four morning practices will begin at 9 a.m. It's probably good we take a little bit of an earlier break in this first segment with Zach joining us. Zach is down in uh, Tampa for their training camp. Uh, I believe it was the Dolphins earlier this week. He's on the Bucks right now. So he's joining us via phone. So uh, let's hit an early break here and uh, we'll get to Zach Kiefer coming up in about 10 minutes. Kevin Aquaria on a beautiful Thursday here in Westfield. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You heard Mark mention it last night at Major League Baseball. It was the Chicago Cubs after getting down 5-3 to the Reds, coming back, and then taking total control. So they have scored now, Mark, how many runs against the Reds? 36 runs in the last two games. 36 runs in two games. Probably want to save up some of those. But nonetheless, yeah, that's not good um, portion control. <laughs> well, if the Reds keep kicking the ball in the infield all over the place, I don't think they have to worry yeah, about it. Yeah, the Reds look like a Little League team last night fielding it. Uh, Stewart, Fairchild in center was an abomination. Senzel had a couple nice plays early, and then that did not last. Got to regroup, regroup, get a split today, and move on. Don't look that's now, but it. here come the Cubbies, right, Kev? Unbelievable that Mark's reacting like this, Jake. I know. But well, we have beer on the line, the Kev. I have yeah, to. Yeah, he was up to. a parade in Waveland last night for the Cubs winning the 112th regular We've season got, game. You and I have beer on the, the line. Year. We got uh, to celebrate it. Indianapolis Indians last night were defeated by the Gwinnett Stripers six nothing, which is interesting because Gwinnett actually has laid off half their team. Uh, the Colts back to practice that today. Mean? That's practice number six. It's a 9 a.m. start time here from Grand Park. To chat more about that and the Jonathan Taylor situation, Zach Kiefer, he joins us next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. 
Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kevin, Mark, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but as the guy that you know usually is most up on current events and pop culture, uh, I will inform you that now the formerly known as Twitter X social media site, you no longer retweet. Did you see that? You now repost. When you click the button, the ver- the verbiage retweet gone. Mine says retweet right here. Yeah, really? So I, mine. Then yours hasn't been updated yet, I guess, because when I did it today, it says repost. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I guess that's retweet or quote tweet. You right? still have the what's your app? Is it the bird now or is it, is it now the X? Uh, it says the X. Okay, right here. Uh, I give it a day or two. It seems to go in cycles with those things, which is weird. But my point being, uh, whether you're retweeting or reposting, that simply means taking something and reading it, sending it back out into the world. And it's interesting when somebody goes back out into the world and then immediately gets sent right back. <laughs> Which is kind of what happened to Zach Kiefer because he is now a national writer for The Athletic. They saw, obviously, his incredible feature writing skills. And then Zach, and I don't, even, I don't even mean this flippantly, I think it's fascinating. Here you were somebody who covered exclusively, for the most part, the Colts. You get national assignments, and then lo and behold, what happens? But the national assignments include coming back and writing about the Colts. And I think that's very illuminating about the drama level, not necessarily the on-field, but the drama level of Indianapolis. Am I overstating that? That's pretty good, Jake. You send them back out in the world and then, and then pull them back in, right? I'm yeah. down here in Tampa. I was in Miami the last couple of days. But, yeah, the first story of training camp so far for me is about the Colts, the team I'm technically not supposed to be writing about right now. But it is, it is emblematic of the drama that has bled into this training camp. And you guys know, you guys are there right now. Like, when's this last time this team has had a quiet stretch? It certainly wasn't last season. And you go back a couple of years, it's been a very chaotic and dysfunctional last couple of years in Indianapolis. And this might be one of the messiest situations they've had with a player in a long time. And yeah, I feel like I've had a lot of conversations over the years about this and a lot of insight that I could bring to the situation. But um, stunning to me from the outside, a little bit of the outside right now, just how much this has devolved the last month, two months, because I, I didn't see it getting to this point at all. They last, you know, back in the spring. Zach, uh, and again, I thought your piece was outstanding. Uh, for those that missed it up on the athletic, Colts' relationship with Jonathan Taylor has unraveled dramatically, so now what? Unraveled dramatically. Terrific way to describe it. What has changed in this relationship as best you know? Because as you pointed out in your story, whether it was Chris Ballard after the season ended, whether it was Jim Irsay in March, you can even point to some public comments from other parties back in the spring. You know, a a Taylor-Richardson relationship moving forward is something that they have publicly stated several times. So what, as best you can guess, what do you think has changed that's led to such a public rift? Well, let's start here. It's Jonathan Taylor has changed. His words, his actions, his demeanor has changed. But let's go to the other side first, and let's go to the team. I remember sitting with Jim Irsay in his suite in Arizona 
in the owners' meetings in March, and he sat there. And remember, this is during the time when all the Lamar Jackson rumors are swirling. And Indy is the place, right? Indy is the place that can do this. Indy's the place that needs a quarterback. Ballard didn't shoot it down earlier in the day. That same day, we go to Jim Mercedes' suite, and he's openly talking about how he wants to draft a young mobile quarterback and pair him with Jonathan Taylor. And in Jim Mercedes' fashion, he's talking about Jonathan Taylor ending his career one day with a gold jacket. That's what he wanted, and he mentioned that on Saturday night. He mentioned, as he's inclined to do, what do they do in Indy? What does Jim Mercedes do? He harkens back to the glory days. You can't have a conversation with him without a mention of Marvin Harrison or Edger and James or Peyton Manning or all the greats from the 90s and 2000s. And he brings up Marshall Falk being that veteran running back in 1998 for a young Peyton Manning. He wants Jonathan Taylor to do the same thing right now for Anthony Richardson. Different skill set, but just if you think about it, and they're both healthy, that's a heck of a lot of fun to watch, those two in the backfield. However, the team... And I, I kind of see the team's point on this. Like, everybody thought he was going to be back at the start of training camp. Everybody thought he would be healthy. This ankle thing would be cleaned up. I heard he was training back as far as March. And when he was put on the pup list, and was he not ready to go to start training camp, I was really surprised. Now, I'm not there every day anymore, but that was stunning to me. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was stunning to the team, or at least a big surprise. And so... Now the team is like, okay, wait a minute, you're still not healthy? Like, that gives them a little bit of pause before they hand out this big extension. I don't know the exact numbers JT is looking for, but it's probably the moon, right? It's probably the highest running back contract in the league right now in terms of APY, right? So that's another element in this. But like you said, KB, like, and I wrote in the piece, like, every one of these guys has gotten paid a year early who, in the team's mind, deserved it. Going back to Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, Naheem Hines got paid a year early, and he was an RB2. Quentin Nelson, Shaq Leonard. Some of those guys before they were 100% healthy, right? Yeah, and so the team's the team's saying, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, you're not healthy." And I and I think I think the other thing is, and this is really important, they learned some hard lessons in 21 and 22. They thought they were close. They convinced themselves they were close. They operated under that assumption. They were not. They were terribly wrong. They made some terrible decisions. And Jim Mercer's hands were dirty. Frank Reich's hands were dirty, and Chris Ballard's hands were dirty. And I think it was very important for this franchise to rethink where they're going forward. Now, does that come at the expense of a contract for Jonathan Taylor? It might, and that's hard because he's a great player, and he deserves it. But right now, he's not healthy, and this team's going nowhere right now without him. So they're in a really tough spot. So, Zach, do, do you look at this as like a reset of the blueprint? I mean, because by all accounts, throughout the Chris Bauer tenure, they have never been afraid to pay non-premium positions. They have never been afraid to draft non-premium positions very high. You certainly have asked many questions in press conferences along those same lines, and now all of a sudden, it comes a time to reward one of your own. And this dates back to, I think, June as well. I mean, before Taylor showed up on any pup list, he was frustrated back at the end of the offseason program. So, and I, I mean, I remember on that day watching Taylor after practice do on-field activities. I mean, he didn't look like a guy that would show up on the pup list to start camp. So how much of this is Jim Mersey, Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard challenging the original blueprint that I guess Ballard came in with in 2017? I think it's time. I think it's overdue. I think it's, it's very real here is, is this notion that they just keep doing what they've been doing because it's not working. 
And you mentioned, like, I've been asking those questions for years. Like, you're going to pay a left guard. Like, I get it. Quentin's a great player. But, you, you know, at, at one point, they're paying their best players are, are a left guard and an off-ball linebacker and, and then a running back. Like, it's not 1997. And I think that hit home when they continue to struggle at the quarterback position. But to go back, the one quote that stands out to me, and this is where it's really weird, is April, Jonathan Taylor talks for the first time this offseason and he says, look, I put pen to paper. I made an obligation to this organization, and I am going to honor that. They made an obligation to me. Now fast forward to, what is it, August 3rd? Like, what happened? Like, what changed? Well, he changed agents, and that probably played a role in this. But it's just stunning because, and I'm sure you would agree with this, KB, like in all your interactions with JT over the years, this was not a situation I foresaw based on his demeanor his personality i mean this guy loves football he's, he's not one of those guys that's constantly talking about himself and his career and and it's just strange that this is the guy this is the one that ends up demanding the trade going on ursay's bus that's creating this firestorm of soap opera-ness in westfield it's just it's just stunning to see how quickly it's devolved and, and i'm going to throw this out there and i know what jim ursay said jim ursay said we're not trading him not now not in october when the trade deadline comes up they, they might want to listen, right? Because this team's not competing in 23. It's not probably competing in 24. Everything they do needs to be centered around Anthony Richardson's development. And if you can add maybe a two and a five, I think that's what they got from Marshall Falk way back in the day. I realize running back value is way down, but JT's a special player. And if you're a contender, they might give up something. I might listen. If this doesn't go anywhere and he's not going to re-sign and you're going to have to deal with that franchise tag fight for two years, I might listen and, and just add some pieces around Anthony Richardson because you're not going to compete until 20, 25 or 26 at best. Zach, let me go back to a point you made earlier and mention a point that I've made probably exhaustively, apologetically, but I totally agree with you about Jim Irsay when it comes, you know, as a radio host, my job is to, is to, to talk of the current, and I get that, and people get very fatigued of hearing of the past. I get that too. And I've mentioned some names that people are like, why are you talking about players from 30 years ago? And my thought process is because the one person that that still feels current to is Jim Irsay, and I, not, not to say he's outdated, because he has... He, Every player that's come through here, he, you know, he knows their contribution, etc. Jim Irsay knows of what happens when a running back is not content and creates waves when you have a young quarterback you're trying to develop. And it totally derailed the season in Jeff George's, I believe, second year, first or second year, with Eric Dickerson. And that's irrelevant to 99.9% of the population of Marion County, I realize, and Hamlin County. But I don't think it is to Jim Irsay. Would you agree that Jim Irsay has to look at precedent and say, look, I love Jonathan Taylor and his skill set, but I have to start looking at this if I have a malcontented running back overshadowing a quarterback I'm trying to develop? Yeah, it, it might not matter to 99% of Colts fans out there, Marion County, whatever. But Jim Mercer is not in that 99%. He's absolutely in that 1%. He brings up Marshall Falk un, you know, unprompted last week comparing the situations to 1998. I can almost guarantee no one besides maybe Mike Chappell can remember the daily dealings of that situation. And then you talked about Jeff George way back in 1991 with Eric Dickerson. 
And that was when Jim Irsay was the GM. And this was sort of his job to navigate this in a way that really Chris Ballard's right now, and it's getting harder by the day because of the agent chirping at the owner, the owner talking, and JT's bubbling frustration. So that's the reality, and, and, and that's how Jim Irsay thinks. He thinks to his experiences in the league, and he'll tell you, 50 years in the league, I've done every job from ticket sales to equipment room to GM to owner. He's seen it all, and he leans on that. And I think that's a great resource in a lot of situations. But also, this league is changing, and it's changing fast. And the other guy that I can't help but mention in this, and this is the unfortunate part, is Shane Steichen, who just has to stand there while his best player, his very best player, and an absolute weapon on offense is watching these practices with his hood pulled tight and a scowl across his face. Like, you don't think Shane Steichen has been talking and thinking about Jonathan Taylor since February when he was hired? In his opening press conference, it was one of the players he named that he would design his offense around. And it's really showing no signs of any sort of resolution in the near future. And, and where does that leave Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen, who, are start, you know, who, have to, who have to do something this year to show that this kid can be a guy down the line? So it's a really difficult situation, and I don't think a lot of the parties involved are helping. And, and Jim Irsay leaning on those past experiences. Sometimes it's great. But I go back to this quote, Jake, and, and this was the most bizarre press conference I've ever covered, and I've covered a lot. But this was November 8th of last year when they hired Jeff Saturday, and Jim Irsay said the infamous line, like, we are in the upper quartile of the upper quartile, whatever the heck that means, right? Well, here's the thing. Peyton's not here anymore, and Andrew's not here anymore. And you're a mediocre to below-average football team right now without those guys. You've won one playoff game since 2014. One. And that was with Andrew Luck in 2018. That's the reality of where you're at, and you need to start to accept that and stop leaning on the past as a prop as to how you can solve these situations because this is different. This is different, and you need to find a different resolution. What do you think Chris Ballard thinks of all of it? Boy, I'd love to truth serum him, and no, because his job is getting harder by the day. And his job was pretty dang hard last year, and I don't mean to excuse him and the disaster that was 2022. But um, as we all know, he, he wasn't behind the Jeff Saturday hire. Um, and, and, and this is the shame of it. It's because he hired this, who I think is going to be a really good offensive mind as a head coach. And he really got the quarterback that they wanted in the draft. And he's not going to get to see that quarterback play with the running back that he, that he found in 2020 in that draft that was really a home run. So um, it's getting harder. My understanding is they didn't have a lot of trouble with this agent when they hammered out Darius Leonard's extension in 2021. However, they paid him the moon, right? They paid him $98 million, made him the highest-paid linebacker at the time. I don't know what JT wants, but it's probably the moon for running backs, and no one's paying running backs that money anymore. So, honestly, Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen, their job is getting harder by the day. Zach, do you ever think you'd be writing about Pokemon cards? Not in a million years, man, and I still know nothing about Pokemon cards, but pretty wild, right? Like $11 million in revenue in a couple, you know, a couple months. I mean, just wild. Yeah, crazy story that Zach had probably now. It's, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, a little bit over a month ago, up on The Athletic. Again, some national feature stories from Zach. He did have to dip his toes back into this water up here in Westfield because it is an absolute soap opera, which has been the case now for the last 
couple of seasons. Zach, enjoy Florida, man. I know you're traveling a lot here. Appreciate you making time for us here on this Thursday morning. Thanks, guys. Tell the Colts to stay quiet for a while. <laughs> Easier said than done. Zach Keeper. Or the blower. Stay right quiet. there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, Jake Stephen Holder also uh, kind of came out with a new piece regarding Taylor um, and some details on that. Um, just a couple of things um, that I will you know, relay to our audience out here. Uh, Steven says it in the piece, although Jim Mercy said he wouldn't trade Jonathan Taylor, the idea has not been totally dismissed at Colts headquarters. According to multiple sources, who said Taylor remains steadfast in his desire to play elsewhere? Um, sounds like Taylor was unhappy with the management of his injuries last season. I know Zach alluded to it a little bit there. It was a very odd season for Taylor, and it was a very start and stop. This is a guy that's never dealt with injuries throughout his football career. Last year, the season was play four games, then you're off for two. Yeah. You know, two, play two more, then you're off for one. I think he had a game where, or a stretch where he played five straight, then he didn't play the final three. Uh, it sounds like the Colts wanted him to come into Indianapolis a little bit earlier before training camp to get – a clearer picture on his injury situation. Uh, Taylor viewed that as they were trying to, you know, maybe force him to get on the field a little bit quicker. He obviously did not do that and showed up just on report day for that. Uh, and then this one from Steven. Taylor's level of anger about his situation caught the Colts off guard, according to multiple sources. You said Ursay and Ballard were particularly surprised. I'll say that I'm a little surprised, Jake, that Ursay and Ballard we're so surprised. Yeah, I mean, just listen to Jonathan Taylor's comments yeah. in June. Look at your own actions, Jake. He's the fifth highest paid player on your offense. You have re-signed and re-upped so many people in the Ballard tenure that have not produced like Taylor. The guy's going to be surprised, and he's going to be upset about it. I think you'd be pretty naive and living under a rock to think that that player well, would not be it, upset. About in addition it. to that, Kevin. It's the job. I'm not saying that it's 100% easy to do. But it's the job of an owner and a, and a general manager to know the pulse of your franchise. And, and yeah, I get it. I, it's, it's, it's naive of me and arrogant of me to sit here and say that that means that they should know what every player is thinking all the time. But certainly there are five or ten... Yeah, and he, the, he's on the, the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. In the upper quartile of upper quartile of players, the ones whose contracts are coming up, you probably should be getting a, a pretty good feel and have a pretty good feel. Like, I, the, it's hard to believe that they would not have, you know, I, ignorance of his emotions is not a sufficient excuse. No. I, I, I side with the Colts in this saga, not necessarily in their approach or in their preparation on it. But I, I get it. Jonathan Taylor signed a contract. Now, you could certainly make the case that most of us in the quote-unquote real world, if, you know, if you're living in Atlanta, Georgia, working as an accounting job that you got out of college and you've been in Atlanta for five years and then one day, literally, you break up with your significant other and you get a new boss and you're like, I'm just not happy here. Even if you have a contract... You could say, you know what, I, I, I'm moving tomorrow to Boise. I, I just have always liked Boise, and I have a friend that moved out there and said it's great. And you, you have the free will to do that. 
there is an element of in professional sports, I, I mean, we automatically assume, and I think in this case it's the case, that everything's between the lines. I, there have to have been players in the past that are like, you know what, I, I mean – I'm just not comfortable in this city. I'm not comfortable, you know, whatever it might be. I, I, I need a change of scenery. I need a change of pace. As adults, we have that free will. Athletes necessarily don't, but they are under contract, and they are heavily compensated for it, and that's the big thing. They need to, you know, the, the reality is that the general population sees big money as restriction, essentially, or obligation is a better word. Uh, he is under contract. He signed that contract. He should honor it. He has said he's going to honor it. But for them to not have any idea or or forecast based on precedent of his teammates and the way those players, the timing in which they were re-signed, that he might be upset by that is negligent. A couple of other notes from Stevens latest. He says here two league executives told ESPN they believe there is a trade market for Taylor, but the list of teams that might be interested isn't long, and obviously that could limit what the compensation would look like for the Colts. Um, and remember the whole, and I guess this was probably this time last week. I feel like it was kind of right around this time last week. We had the dispute of the back injury and whether he might go on the non-football injuries, non-football injury list, and that could toll his contract, and that could mean the Colts might not have to pay him for this 2023 season. Uh, Steven says multiple sources indicated such a move to the NFI list now seems unlikely, and obviously Taylor denied uh, those comments. Um, earlier this week. So a lot there uh, that we can hit on as well. Again, the Colts worked out a couple veteran running backs yesterday in Kenyon Drake and Benny Snell. You have the Zach Moss injury situation that is contributing to the need to obviously pursue some veteran running backs outside of this Taylor saga. We also saw the Colts make a move at wideout. Jake brokenhearted, uh, be consoled by Shannon about that from last I night. Uh, I think there's a Shane Steichen element to that move that I want to get to coming up a little bit later in the show. On the other side, though, if you missed our Reggie Wayne interview from yesterday in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll re-rack that. I thought it was outstanding, Reggie, with us yesterday morning. Again, practice starts at 9 a.m. here at Grand Park, an earlier start time to practice day number six of training camp. Live in West. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Start to the day here on a Thursday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton back in studio. We're at Grand Park up here in Westfield for Colts camp. Practice getting underway at 9 o'clock today. This time yesterday, it was Reggie Wayne, who of course needs no introduction in this town, but he is now an assistant coach for the Colts, his second year as the receiver coach. He joined the program, and it gave us a chance to get reacquainted. Uh, everything's good. It's a typical uh, training camp, even as a coach, as a player. Um, it all sucks, but <laughs> at the same time, you can, uh, you can find time to get better, come together as a team. And, uh, this is actually where it all makes sense. To be honest with you, um, you're away from your family. You've been putting all the hard work in, in the summer, 
And now this is that final piece of the summer, of the spring, where you uh, you put it all together. Reggie, I'm not going to lie. I had you pegged for after year one. I thought you'd be on a beach with the corona in hand for a bulk of 2023. <laughs> uh, yeah. You decided not to do that. I'm sure you did that at some point this year, but you are not doing that right now, obviously. Why'd you come back? Um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, that was some unfinished business just with this organization, uh, what it means to me, um, what these, what this fan base means to me. Um, I just felt like I needed to, I needed to come back and, and do it again. And then the other part was, I feel like, like I owe it to these players, you know, I owe it to these players that, you know, that, that, that wasn't that wasn't the coach standard last year, not with myself, not with the outcome of the season, and, and I and I felt like that's not that's not that's not the way I wanted to go out. You know, I wanted to go out swinging. I felt like I watched four pitches go past me last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they all and, and, and one of them was a ball, but the rest of them were strikes. You know what I'm saying? And and I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to you know do it for these players to come back, have a different mentality. Um, and help trying to turn this thing around. And Reggie, with that, you know, the difference between last year and this year, I, I think even the Colts would admit this, is that it is more of a total reset. I mean, you've got obviously a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson. You've got some young receivers that you're working with that we'll get to. But does that mean that psychologically for you to come back, that you had to say to yourself, I'm buying in for more than a year here. This is a longer form project than what I originally set out for. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. Um, I really don't. You know, I, I, there was some point in time last year, at the end of last year, when everything was doing its thing. I did want to go ahead and Corona and sit on the beach. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's one of those things where, like. I was I was I was new to this last year, you know. I was new to it. I kind of came in, and I won't say rushed, you know, uh, but I kind of came in last minute, um, in the middle of you know draft process, not really understanding what to do and how to do it. I had an idea. I mean, we all play you know John Madden football growing up on PlayStation and all that stuff. But you, but this, but this is the real thing, you know. And I didn't have an idea. Uh, on what to do and how to do it. So I had this summer where I was able to sit down and and, and kind of put some things together, you know. And I said, man, if I if I have a chance to go back and do it, and all this all this was before Coach Sykin was here, you know. I said, if I have a chance to go back and do it, this is how I would do it. And I, I mapped everything out, you know what I'm saying. And I was I was just telling myself like, like, damn, if I'd have had this game plan last year. Maybe my room, you know, would at least played a little better, and maybe we could have won a game just on my room. You know what I mean? But it is a young team, and um, we just got to be patient. Um, I, I think camp is going well so far. Um, guys are locked in, you know, uh, especially my room. My room is, is, is playing well. I just want to see if they can sustain that level of play and if not get better and better each day. And... Uh, Man, I, I'm I'm excited. I am. I mean, how can you not be? It is a young team for the most part, young young key additions. And um, man, I just I just want to. At the end of the day, 
All right, at the end of the day, I just want these players to just say, like, damn, Reggie was a, a damn good coach for me. And for me, that that's all that matters. Has it been challenging, Reggie? Reggie Wayne is our guest. I always ask this of guys that were great players and transitioned into coaching. Did it take a while for you to realize or have to adjust to the fact that what was instinctive to you as a player and also the work ethic you had as a player does not automatically translate to every player in the NFL? And for young guys, were there times that you had to realize that you were assuming they just automatically knew what you had known as a player? Well, you know, I, I don't assume anything. You know what I mean? I, I, it's the old cliche, if you assume, you become the first three letters of that word. Right. <laughs> you know, um, uh, back in 2018 when I kind of I came here and helped the coach out during training camp, and that was kind of like a little a semi, you know, trial and error for me. Um, I was here with Coach Frank, and um, just seeing if this was something that I could possibly do. And I was out there coaching the receivers, and I kind of had that mind, you know, that mindset like, man, just do it like this. If you do it like this, you will work. It will work for you. Or, why are you doing it? Like, you know, and and it was kind of, you know, I was like, man, why are they not listening? Or why why can't they get it done? You know, and it was kind of like weird, you know. And uh, some of the best advice I got was from Chris Ballard. You know, Chris came, you know, to me one day, and he said, uh, he said, Reg, you know what? I've been watching you since you've been here, man. And he said, you can do this. You can do this without a question. And he said, you're going to be damn good at it. He said, but always remember that all these players, if any, can't do what you did. Like, that's what made you special, right? And he said, so just remember, like, all these players, you have to to lock in their own, as I would tell my room, you're an Avenger. What is your power? You know what I'm saying? What's your, what's your, what's your special powers? You have to lock in their own powers um, and see what they can do and do best. You know, and that made me sit down and think. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. And that, and that brought me, that even pushed me on forward to my kids. You know, you know Reggie Jr. playing football like, hey, Maybe Reggie Junior is just Reggie Junior. Who knows? You know what I'm saying. So don't 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 think they can do all the special things that you was able to do. Just find out what they can do well and, and, and keep it shining. You know what I mean. So I did have to take a step back back then, and uh, and I never forgot that. And uh, and, I, and I think about that every day as I'm teaching them. But but man, these guys these guys are so talented, man. I, I really do believe that they they all are special in in their special way. And I, and I remind them all the time, like. We all know everybody won't be here at the end of the day, you know, but while you have this opportunity, you know, that means the people want to want to get, you might as well just make the best of it. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the best of it and, and trying to get as much, as much as these guys' secret powers out there on display. Reg, when you speak to the talent, you speak to the secret powers in your room. I don't know. It might be foolish to say, considering one day you will be in Canton, but is there any attribute of any of the whiteouts currently in your room that w- you wish you had when you were playing? Oh, man, it's, 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 it's a whole bunch. You know, um, I look at, I look at Ashton Doolin, the guy's a workhorse. You know, I say this, I say this guy can, he could have played with us at any point in time in my career here, you know, just the way he works, you know, um, I look at Michael Strong. I mean, I tell him every day, I wish I had your size and speed, 
you know what I mean? I'll probably be going on year 20-something right now and playing in football, you know? Uh, look at Michael Pittman, his will to do it, right? His, his work ethic, his will to do it. His, like, I tell everybody all the time, I'm like, I'm like, listen, if I want to go in a foxhole, one of the guys I want next to me is Michael Pittman. Like, that's just his determination to get it done. You know, like all these guys, all these guys, you know, they, they all are special. Alec Pierce, man, his his attention to detail, right, and wanting to go in there and wanting to be good and wanting to do it over and over again and wanting to try new things. Like, all these guys are special. You know what I mean? And it's just trying to get them to play together. And, and they're doing a good job of it. They, they, they're looking out for each other. They're helping each other out, you know, that, you know, there was times in my career where I didn't have that. You know, I didn't I didn't have everybody in our room kind of like leaning on each other, helping each other. These guys, every single guy in my room is really talking to each other and helping each other out. And if a guy, you know, has a brain fart and can't forget it, you got one guy, oh, no, you got to do it this way. Like, you know, that's different, man, you know, from what I was used to. You know, it was either, you know, it was it was every man for themselves for the most part of my, my career, you know. So it was you either learn it. Or you get sit on the, you get put on the bench, you know. But this guy, this group here is special, and and and, and I will say it was like that last year too when we had you know Paris Campbell. He was a good leader for the room, you know. So it, it's it's one of those things where I enjoy that part because it, it helps my coach out even you know even better. Reggie Wayne is with us. Still weird for me to say, Coach Reggie Wayne. I think number eighty-seven is probably how most me, pe- me too. <laughs> <laughs> how most people course remember reg in this town 11 years ago i think it goes without saying what you meant for andrew luck in that rookie season of 2012 you certainly had some decisions on your own end after that 2011 season uh but critical to to andrew in that 11 and 5 year and and making the playoffs what is your message to your room about working with anthony richardson working with a young quarterback working with a rookie and what you guys need to provide him just be there for him you know help, you know, make him look good. He's going to make mistakes. You know, he's going to have some tough throws, you know, some tough, you know, go have some tough throws and we got to make some tough catches. You know, we got to help him out. You know, I, I, I remember when Andrew Luck came in and obviously I was, a, you know, I was around for a while when Andrew came in and uh, I've kind of had my foot teammated in this, in this game, you know, for a little bit. But I remember when he came in, it was like, like, damn, Andrew Luck's in the building. He's, replace, he's replacing Peyton Manning. And this guy's got so much pressure. So much pressure. Everybody's going to gonna be looking at him. He's got a bullseye on him. And I just remember the first day I met him, you know, and uh, I can still see the smile on his face and didn't know him not one bit, but he had a big smile on his face. And, you know, he was like, hit me with the Mr. Reggie. Nice to meet you. I had to, I had to get that straight first. Don't call me Mr. Reggie, <laughs> you know. But um, I just told him, I was like, hey, man, like, don't worry about nothing. I got the offense. And when you're ready, you just turn to me and say, Reggie, I got it, right? And that took about 11 or 12 weeks. Every week I would check in with him, like, hey, you good? You, you, you want to take over? <laughs> you know? And he's like, nah, not yet. I'm still, I'm still trying to get my feet wet. Cool. You know? So I was, that, I was that voice for him. I was that leader for him until, like, week 11 or week 12. And I went to him, and he was like, all right, let me, let me take a swing at it. All right, it's all yours. So – you know, my, my thing to my room was like, hey, be that voice. Hold everybody accountable. Be that voice. Let Anthony get his feet wet. Let him learn the system. Let him feel comfortable. Let him, you know, be that leader that he can think he, think he can be. You know, because to try to be a leader of men 
and trying to learn this playbook, right? You, you know, every day you got all these errors that you're making, and then you have this roller coaster of emotions, you know, good days, bad days. Like, and then at the same time, you're having a bad day, but you can't forget, like, man, you still got to uplift everybody because of your role on this team. Like, that can be tough. That can be tough. So sometimes you need you need that helping hand, and and that's what I want my guys to be. I want them to be that helping hand until Anthony has his foot in the ground. And, and, and Gardner Minshew does a great job of that also. And, you know, but uh, we know how much we've invested into Anthony Richardson, and uh, we just need to be there for him. And not just, just not just my room, every other room in here too. There should be a leader in every single room, and sometimes there's two leaders in every single position, and everybody needs to come together and, be, and, and build that bridge for him. Reggie, I think that, you know, it's probably dangerous a lot and unfair to to compare one player to another, you know, as a direct comparison. So I'm not trying to do that. But as fans and as media here, we have precedent recently of seeing a franchise quarterback that's selected high in the draft that the keys are handed over towards. Obviously, you were an integral part in the acclamation for Andrew Luck. But Andrew Luck had come in with a lot of reps under his belt in college. Anthony Richardson does not. Um, Can you kind of give us a glimpse from your perspective as to where there might be differences based on that precedent of a young player taking over the reins and where there might be similarities that you see? Um, honestly, right about now, I don't, I don't see any difference. I mean, when Andrew came in, guess what? Andrew was practicing. He had rough practices. <laughs> he had rough practices. I, the, only, the only dilemma uh, or the only big significance that I can see that's different would be myself. Andrew had a had a, a skill position player that played for a long time. You know, so he had a safety net, right? In my room, in my room, the guy with the most experience is Michael Pittman Jr. for the most part. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's still a young player, right? So that would be the biggest difference. Like they all gonna struggle. Anthony people think Andrew Luck didn't struggle. Andrew Luck struggled. There was days that, you know, Bruce Arians would look at him and, and, and it was almost like his, his eyes was like, it, it, like he was something from men in black, you know, the way he looked at it. Like, Andrew struggled. So, like, Anthony Richardson is going to struggle. But one thing that Andrew did was after he struggled, he came back. He didn't get gun shy. He, he still slung the ball around the yard. And I don't see no difference than, than Anthony Richardson, right? Yeah. Is that pressure on him? I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's a quarterback drafted, you know, the third pick in the draft, you know. He's going to struggle, you know. So um, it's one of those things where we just got to take the, the, the ups and downs and uh, and live with it. They're going to be mistakes. They're going to be mistakes. You, you mentioned yourself, you know, Andrew Luck had a lot of games. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson doesn't. But – us coming together, putting him in the best situation on the field and hoping that his teaching and his, you know, play every day in practice will turn that wheel for him to get him going. I want to go back to Reggie. Reggie Wayne's our guest on the Payless Lickers Hotline. I want to go back to something you said about when you were playing you know, you came in, obviously, there was already a veteran receiver there in Marvin Harrison or a guy who was was entrenched, certainly. Um, and you guys were a great duo, one of the best in league history. 
and I would assume there's a level of competitiveness there. But when you talked about the camaraderie in the room, then versus now, can you elaborate on that on what was different when you were playing and was it to a negative? Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a big difference. You know, I think, I think these, the, the, the times have changed. We all know that, right? Uh, they got all these different rules and CBA rules and all these different, if I look at it and I sit back like, damn, what is the big difference? Right. And it's, like, this will be considered like a country club now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like man, we had two-a-day practices. Everybody know that. You know, we had two hours and 20, two hours and 30-minute practices. They don't necessarily do that now. You know, um, like, these guys got so much at their disposal. You know, like, damn, they should play for a long time. You know, a guy, you know, willing. You know, um, like, for us, it was like we didn't have all of the extra you know, uh, amenities that these guys have, you know, and, and I, and it, and it, you know, I, I take my hat off to them, you know, it, like that'll help you play for a very long time. You know, we, um, I sit back and I tell the, the guys in the room that may not be high on the chain of command. I'm like, you know, like practices are shorter, way shorter than it was when I was playing. Right. And by it being shorter, that means there's less opportunities for those low-end guys to get reps, almost to the point to where it's not necessarily fair. You know, when I played practices for so long that everybody got a ton of reps, you're going to find ways to get reps because you're out there for two and a half hours. You know, now you take you chop that two and a half hours, you take an hour off to an hour and 30 minutes, like, them dudes don't get many reps. So the reps that they do get, man, you don't have time for mistakes. And to a certain degree, you're like, damn, that ain't cool. That's not fair. But that's what they're brought up into. You know what I mean? So it's different. Um, it's different. But I also understand the way that, you know, all these, you know, analytics and numbers and, you know, all the data that's out there now, you know, this is the way it, it, it goes. And um, I feel like me personally, it's like, man, I don't I don't need a machine to tell me when I'm tired. But that's just when that's just what we're up against now. You know, um, I, I sit back and I look and I'm like, man, you know, the guys look fast and look fresh. Maybe it's all the new technology stuff that got them that way. But then again, I sit back and I look on the other side and I look at it like, damn, such and such, I only got, you know, three roughs a day. How can I fit them in? You know, and it's, it can be, it can be unfair to me at times. So that, that's one of the big things. But at the end of the day, it's still football. You go out there and you play, you give it everything you got. Whenever you do get your opportunities, you make the, you know, you make the best of it and, uh, and you move forward. Reggie, last one for me and appreciate the time here on this off day for you guys, which I know is not really an off day for the coaching staff. Um, I think one of the at more all. surreal, <laughs> environments, sporting environments I've ever been in, and certainly one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen was that 2012 game against the Packers. Uh, do you still have the orange gloves? Where are the orange gloves from that Sunday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium? Um, those orange gloves, after that game was over, um, I immediately drove over to Chuck Pagano's house and, um, and handed it to him. You know, 
So those those orange gloves are hopefully somewhere in reaching distance in uh, Chuck Pagano's house. And, uh, you know, maybe on his mantle. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? It might be in his dirty clothes, dirty clothes laundry. You know, I don't know. You got to have Tina let him put him on the mantle. Come on now, Tina. I, 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 I would hope Miss Tina will put him up there, but who knows? Chuck probably... He probably puts them on every now and then and, and try to <laughs> live his dreams. I don't know. You know what I mean? But uh, that was an iconic game. Um, it was a fun game. Obviously, um, a lot of us was playing out there with heavy hearts. And, you know, we were out there playing with a lot of emotion. And um, they're just one of those times where I was locked in and then and, 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 and enjoyed the game of of, of football, the game that I grew up playing since I was seven years old and enjoyed and loved and just wanted, didn't didn't expect all this extra that came with it. I just wanted to live, a, you know, fulfill my dream. And I was just stepping onto a field, playing for a, a team. Uh, I remember the first team, you know, my first dream I had of playing football and it, it wasn't a coach. I won't share what team that was, but it was uh, me playing for a certain team and that's that's when the bug first hit me. You know, and I lived that dream, and, man, it was great. I enjoyed it. Reggie, at that time when you had that game, in the Orange Glove game, we were in the middle of doing a weekly radio show together. I can't remember if we did that for two or three seasons. I think it might have been three years that we did a show with you, um, Mm -hmm. which was fun. I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed your transparency. The only thing that you never divulged that we asked over the three years was your middle name and i tried like hell to try to find out what it was and people are now telling me that it's out there and it's da vinci is that right i don't know where you heard that from (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where you heard that from you know Uh, um but you know keep digging you may find it one day (laughs) (laughs) the coach isn't budging jake the player wasn't budging the coach isn't budging either yeah, you'll find out one day, but keep digging. You're close. <laughs> You're close, but no cigar. De Quincey. You know? De Quincey. I got one letter wrong. It's De Quincey. Nah, I don't like the way that sounds either. Nope, that ain't it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I tell, you, I tell you, if you can get in contact with Miss Wayne, my mom, you know, for the right price, she may give it to you. But <laughs> you really, you really gotta, uh, you really gotta find her in the pickle to get that out of her. Mom accepts bribes. That, that's what we've learned in this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Fair enough. Reggie, thank you, man. Uh, safe travels All back right, up man. to Grand Park, and I uh, appreciate the time here. I right, appreciate it. And Jake, in just a few minutes, Reggie Wayne will be out here on these very practice fields. Fans starting to trickle into Grand Park. Players and coaches should be out to practice here pretty shortly as it is day number six. It's kind of crazy to think about, Jake. After today, just seven to go. I mean, today is like the midway point of training camp. This is actually... um Today is, I, I know that this camp is, is all about AR, right? Anthony Richardson. Um, today is practice one, AK, right? After King? Yeah. Practice one after King, the Johnny King era. Coming to an end yesterday. Uh, and again, I listen. I saw you asked some fans to huddle up for a moment of silence there you as poured they started out, to walk You poured out camp. some of your Mountain Dew, didn't you? I did. I, I, I poured out some for Johnny King. And then, but I knew, you know, when I said he looked apart, all airport team looked like a guy that would look great getting off the plane, you know, getting off the 
plane at the airport. Um, I, I knew then that they were prob- that, that if they released him, they were going to sign a Clemson receiver. So oh, I was sure. cool with it. Mm-hmm. So Amari Rogers uh, on the roster now. For now, I do want to touch on that Rodgers signing here on the other side because I think there is a correlation there of a little bit of Shane Steichen influence in regards to how things are changing and have changed really already here uh, from a roster mechanics standpoint. So we'll do that coming up on the other side. Week two of camp now is underway with today's practice. What to look for as we get a little bit closer to that preseason opener coming up a week from Saturday. Before all of that, let's lead off a morning check. We probably don't even need to lead it off. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. In the air, center field, Freed will back, back some more. He'll turn, he'll look, it's out of here. And Hupp unloads. And the Cubs get the run right back. Cubs have been an offensive juggernaut, no question about it. Last night, 16-6 over the Cincinnati Redlegs, but... The Nationals doing a little bit of service for the Reds as well because, or not as well, because the Reds did themselves no service. Nationals over the Brewers 3-2, so keeping things tight in the National League Central. Certainly the Cubs are making some noise here. And that last game of the series today, right? Yes, last game of the four-game set today. Mark Dykton celebrating this win. Some combination of his feelings after the birth of his daughters, uh, probably wedding day, maybe college graduate. First time he ever rode a bike, maybe. Mark hasn't felt this good about things since last week when he took vacation for the 32nd straight week. Are you going to combine all of that? That's Mark Dykton right now. Are you going to abandon following this team? (laughs) Uh, I got word he's naked in studio, Jake. (laughs) It's a bit sticky in here. All by his loans. So that's okay. Oh, that's, God. okay. Boy, I mean, there you got to draw the line. Uh-huh. So, Mark, we got kids going back to school, man. <laughs> well, where are you going to go? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Moving on from that. Dear Lord. Uh, Fever, uh, they're back in action tomorrow. Um, it'll be a 7 o'clock what, what game doing here? With, with Connecticut. And, again, we are live here at Grand Park. Practice number 6 for the Colts. It's a 9 a.m. start time. It's a little bit earlier today. We'll chat about that on the other side. Kevin and Query with... Mark Dykton here for now uh, on Thursday morning. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When is our first episode of Hard Knocks, Mark? I believe it's a week from tonight. It's either from a week tonight. from tonight or it's a week from yesterday. Speaking of that, tonight you will have the team on Hard Knocks this year, the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns in the Hall of Fame game. 33-and-a-half the over-under on the Hall of Fame game. And Joe Namath for the coin toss, is that right, Mark? I, I would hope so. Do, do people <laughs> do people watch that a lot, you think? The Hall of Fame game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, think it first like, quarter, right? I think it like outdraws like ninety percent NBA games. Yeah, people just want football back, so they'll watch they'll watch third stringers for three hours if it if it's as long as their football fix is there. Do we get Zach Wilson? Like, would he be taking a lot of reps? Wouldn't he? I mean, I would imagine. So who's the third stringer on the on the Jets depth chart? I have no idea. 
Maybe Joe Namath next to Mrs. Wilson oh. in the stands. Yeah! Uh, I'm thinking, is, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this because people are probably going to laugh. Wasn't Flacco there? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's still there. He's not still there. So the depth chart for the Jets is Aaron Rodgers. got to hang it up. Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, and Chris Streveler. God, Tim Boyle. That was Rodgers back up in, uh, in Green Bay. Who's the last one there, Mark? Uh, Chris Streveler. Let's guess his college real quick. I'm going Eastern Carolina, East Carolina. Kevin? Uh, let's go with Tulsa. Uh, it has a direction. It is a directional school, Jake. But uh, maybe go further, further north and west. Okay, I'll go with Western Michigan. Ooh, nothing like the northwest from East Carolina that or really can, narrows no, no, no. it down. Central Michigan. Dan Lefevre. Kev, Central you want to? You want to guess? Uh, where did Johnny King go? Let's go there. Southeast <laughs> Missouri State. South Dakota. Okay. Fair enough, the Jackrabbits, right? Jake, uh, speaking of Johnny King, somebody said I should pour out a little Kings in his honor, <laughs> which is a good call. But, um, Kevin, Johnny King is not a guy by any stretch. Had I not brought him up yesterday, and I, it's not like either one of us had heard of him. He just looked good on the field. But um, yesterday he was released Amari Rogers, who had been a high draft pick for Green Bay, notably, and played at Clemson. Signed yesterday, and you kind of read into that a little bit, right? Well, it, to me, it, it's just another reminder of Shane Steichen now in this building having influence over things to a degree, and certainly I think having some say in offensive personnel. Jake, if there is a trend with Chris Ballard and the wide receiver position throughout his career here, he wants all the power forwards and centers. He wants all the big dudes. That room, like Ballard was, or or I should say has been, almost allergic to the small wideouts. I mean, when you think about it, Devin Funches, Dontrell Inman, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Mike Strawn, Desmond Patman, Deion Kane, Reese Fountain. I mean, Jake, they're all over 6'2". Right. All of them. Uh, I mean, even Paris Campbell, for a speed guy, still was six foot. But yet this offseason, we have seen the Colts make three moves now for wideouts and all three of them are 5'9 or shorter. Isaiah McKenzie told us the other day, Jake, when he was with us, he's 5'7". McKenzie at 5'7", Amari Rogers at 5'9", and Josh Downs at 5'9". And I bring this up to say that this is Steichen's influence saying, we need to diversify that room. Remember when the draft rolled around and wideout was very high on my priority list, but I said, it's got to be a specific type of wideout. You don't need another Pearson, a Pittman at 6'3 and 6'4. You need a point guard to complement the power forward. And that's what Josh Downs, that's the hope. That's the thought process with that pick. So I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing, obviously, a head coach, a play caller, a guy that's running the offensive show, and Shane Steichen saying to Ballard, I know you've loved a lot of big bodies, and Frank Reich was a fan of that as well, but we need a little bit of different ingredients into that cupboard. And I, I don't know, maybe because you see it firsthand, it's just more fresh on your mind. But, Jake, doesn't it seem like small, shifty wideouts have absolutely killed the Colts over the years? They have. Let me, and as I mentioned earlier, they, they also, I think. And Rogers, I feel like the Colts haven't had those. Yeah, totally agree with that. I, Kevin, I'm not saying Amari Rodgers is even going to make the roster. I, he might be here two weeks. I have no idea. But 
Uh, and you pointed out earlier, uh, holding on to the football has been a problem for him. And it was in college, no doubt. That's putting it lightly. But he was a, at times, very good you know, he was a good player for Clemson for certain. He was one of the more dynamic weapons in his last year there. But what he did do, Amari Rogers, in his style of play, is what Clemson would do with him. And, and this is only applicable because, hear me out here, it does, I think, have some correlation to the Colts. What Clemson would do with Amari Rogers was, in particular with Trevor Lawrence, is they would do kind of a, a fast pace offense to start games or start drives in particular that were really based upon Lawrence not even doing like a full three-step drop, but taking the snap, turning quickly, and throwing either a bubble screen or just an at-the-line, literally like lateral, not a lateral, but like a sideways pass to Amari Rodgers. And then Rodgers would have the ability to kind of skirt for like five to seven yards. He was a great drive extending on third down or getting things going in terms of fast-paced receiver. He was not a deep ball threat per se. He was a bubble screen specialist. And I think that with Anthony Richardson, you know, as as you're trying to get him comfortable and developed, Kevin, adding weapons that allow him, and I'm not saying it's going to be Rodgers per se, but getting him also comfortable with just kind of that quick, short, and I think that's been with Richardson the one critique of him so far is that he has not gotten into rhythm or, or not found accuracy in the short form passing game and Rodgers is the kind of player that gives safety net in that style of play Yeah, and again this is a and I know you've pointed this out this is an August 2nd signing of a guy that was obviously on the streets yeah. so I don't want to overreact to it like I said he, it, it, that it may well be that he is simply here to run those kinds of plays throughout camp, and that's it. But go back to Downs, the third pit, third round pick. Go back to Isaiah McKenzie as a free agent signing. There is just an open-mindedness internally that is different from what it used to be with how that whiteout room looks. And I think the most obvious one, and I guess I'm going down the Clemson path again, but I mean, you think back, and I went on with JMV yesterday, and JMV brought up how everything has kind of changed for this organization since that Raiders game, since that home loss to the Raiders, when you had a chance to clinch a playoff berth against an interim head coach, and and the play that Hunter Renfro, several plays Hunter Renfro made in that game. You know, it, it's those smaller, quicker, shiftier slot wideouts that, again, I think have just absolutely tormented the Colts, and I don't think the Colts have really had that option and so that guy on a third and five to boom put your foot in the ground and create a little bit of separation with quickness more than kind of size I do think is something that Shane Shane Steichen wants to tap into and for those that have been out here to Grand Park they'll notice Isaiah McKenzie in particular they use him in a variety of roles so I I think that is part of this kind of little bit of a modern Saturday look to how the Colts operate modern Saturday you mean like 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 college look? Not Jeff Saturday. Uh, I do not. No, 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 not Jeff. Anything on Jeff? ESPN? No, still nothing. I've signed not on heard, that. I've not heard anything on that. And did we get no Ring of Honor announcement for this year either? I thought there was one coming shortly. I when I did that interview with Freeney, uh, I asked Dwight Freeney, I'm like, how often do you get back to Indy? And he's like, you know, fair amount because of all the Ring of Honor stuff. And so I asked him, who do you think's next to go in? Who do you think he said? Uh, Vinatieri? Nope. 
he threw me two names. He goes, oh, man, it's got to be. He kind of thought about it for a second. It wasn't like he like had an obvious answer. Sanders? He said, it's got to be blank or blank. Sanders? He said, it's got to be Bob or Dallas. Which I think most people would probably agree with that. You right? see this 84 out here, Ethan Fernia, uh-huh. this wideout? Yep. This dude, if you're going to play preseason fantasy football, you need that dude on your roster. He catches everything. He is him and Sam Ellinger are going to have thirteen catches. Sam Ellinger obviously throwing the ball to Ethan Fernie so, here and Cam. So Ethan's chance of making the team is. I actually think it's decent. Matt Taylor and I kind of got into that yesterday. You know, as your six wideout, uh, I think he played a little bit late last season. A little special teams action. You want to guess a college for Ethan Fernie? That's a great uh, question. Full well, pads, by the way, for the Colts as they players are making their way out to practice. Things getting underway here at Grant Park in 19 minutes. It is not Connecticut, but I would say, you know, basketball wise, the, you know, Connecticut's known as kind of a basketball school. I would say that Fernia's College is known as that as well. Okay, has has his school won a national title in the last 10 years in basketball? Uh, no, no. Are they in a Power Five in football? They are. The obvious choice would be – you said kind of a basketball school, right? Uh, no, no, I, I would say a, a basketball school. Is it a Probably a little bit more of a history than is it a, recent. Is it a blue blood? Yes. I think so, which I guess that kind of narrows it down, certainly. UCLA. UCLA. I'd like to talk to him about that. I'll bet, I can't imagine going to UCLA would be – I'm telling you, that, that campus is so beautiful. Like, you look at this field right now. Uh, we're in Grand Park up here in Westfield for Colts camp. We are on the football field that is, what, the far north field? Yes, correct. Uh-huh. And Two it looks – yeah. obviously, the football field here looks like the putting green at Augusta, right? It goes without saying. And I would hope so with all the lawnmowers going past. <laughs> and dryers and everything else. That's what every piece of grass – field, front yard, whatever you want to call it, on the UCLA campus looks like. It is the most perfectly manicured, gorgeous land. And then you like you go to IU and you walk out of the sample gates and you are in front of the what Von Lee Theater and Knicks, right? Which are cool. You go to Purdue and you walk out of like one of the main areas there and you're you know, down the street from Triple X, whatever else. You do that in UCLA. You walk out of the main entrance to the University of California, Los Angeles. And on your left is the theater that does all kinds of movie premieres. And straight in front of you is the Beverly Hills Rolls Royce dealership. Like, why would you go anywhere else if you could go to school there? I always like the UCLA. UCLA. I mean, LA. didn't the kid from North Central go there, Chris Wilkes? He did go there, yeah. Two years, I think, three years. He had, you know, Chris Wilkes, um, the former Mr. Basketball from North Central. That's Chip Kelly still the football coach? He is. Um, Chris Wilkes had, like, a terrible, like, viral illness that they couldn't figure out what it was, and it basically ended his career, unfortunately. This um, photographer here, I remember her from the other day, Jake. Uh, last time she saw me was when I had the um, Brewer <laughs> shirt on. She looked at me a little differently today. So I noticed she had a little pep in her step she, as she walked past. She, well, she had a first hesitated walking into the tent, then saw that I was a little bit more clothed, and then felt more comfortable walking out to the practice. Field. Do you think Amari Rogers, since they're practicing coming up at 9 o'clock, and I have my laptop out and it's sitting upright, do you think he'll see the Clemson paw print and come over and say hi? Do we have a number for him yet? I guess he probably just took Johnny King's number, right? Johnny King was three, you said? Yeah, and I think that's what Rodgers was in college, wasn't it? 
Was he three or eight? He might have been. Now that I think about it, he might have well, been. Well, let's let's keep an eye on him. I see Brashard Perriman out here as some of the wideouts starting to get to practice again. Wideouts n- just look cool when they're working out. Nine o'clock today. Uh, that is when. Training camp practice is going to uh, get underway, and it looks like a full padded session here for the second straight day, which makes sense. Tomorrow being an off day, I should say second straight practice, because they were off yesterday, they're off tomorrow. So it looks like a full padded practice a little bit longer. There's Reggie Wayne out there. Rodgers was three in college. I don't know if he would have his choice of number here, but but that was, in fact, Johnny King's number three. They didn't hang that up in the rafters next to 18. (laughs) They should. He is Jake Query. I am Kevin Bowen. We are training, live training camp participant here <laughs> at Grand Park. Week Hang the two banner. Of Colts training camp is underway. Some things to watch for. We'll be keeping an eye on. We'll touch on that on the other side. Kevin and Query here, 93.5-1075, the fan. All right, Colts practice. It is underway, number six of camp. It's kind of crazy, just seven to go after this one. Again, it is full pads on for the second time here in camp. It's actually the second straight session, and obviously this makes a lot of sense. They were off yesterday. They're off tomorrow. It's a night practice Saturday, so in kind of a 72-hour span, they really only practice one time, Um, and this time next week, uh, after their Thursday practice, they're off to Buffalo, which is kind of crazy to think about that they'll be in Buffalo a week from Friday for their preseason opener. And just two weeks from today, Jake, will be those joint practices with the Bears, and that will be the cap to camp. This is my uh, my hesitation when it comes to things. When it comes to training camp or just the preseason in general and the state fair, those two things to me are – like, I'm hesitant with them, not because I don't like them, but because I don't do well with cold weather. I, I just, I, I, I absolutely love the spring and the summer. I love it. And I, it just feels like as soon as you get to this point, Kevin, literally, you blink an eye and you're like in week five. You know what I mean? I know, but I feel like now it stays warm until like mid-October. Yeah. I mean, that, there is some truth to that. I mean... We actually, you know, we actually get like three games with an open roof, maybe. No, boy. Roof talk. (laughs) Uh, Quarterback's working out. Anthony Richardson looks good to go. I don't know if that needs to be said, but uh, no lingering effects from his nasal procedure. Boy, I was wrong about that, man. I'll give him credit. Earlier this year. Yeah, there were some people that definitely have reached out and been like, yeah, that thing is no joke. I know. Like, dude, I got probably the day that that was announced about Anthony Richardson – I mean, I'll bet I got 15, 20 different messages in, different, in varying forms saying, look, I've had that done, and it was like weeks, if not a month, of just like terrible pain and discomfort. Of course, you don't know the severity of what he had, but still, kudos to him. A um, couple things that I'm going to be looking for here uh, from a week two standpoint. You know, again, I just think overall how those quarterback reps get divided up now that you're inching close to that preseason opener is something to certainly keep an eye on. Um, a running back free agent signing. You know, we, we mentioned the names Kenyon Drake and Benny Snell earlier in the show, two guys that ESPN reported worked out for the Colts yesterday. Uh, when do we see that? Do we see that? Is that more Zach Moss related? Is that more Jonathan Taylor related? Uh, those are some things. Um, Jake, remember the Colts signed their biggest signing of the offseason, easily their biggest signing, non-kicker division, was Samson Ebukam. You remember that name? I do. Like He's the new Yannick Ngakwe. 
And he hurt his hamstring on day one at camp. We haven't seen him since. So, I, obviously, I think he's a guy that you would like to see uh, get on the practice field. Certainly the Shaquille Leonard. When does he get the next step of his clearance? Again, I'm stunned to see what he's done in these first five practice days. But uh, getting that 11-on-11 clearance when they're out here in this setting, which by this setting I mean full pads because that looks to be kind of the next step for Shaq and I know we've mentioned it several times here now that camp has started and Jake you and Shannon were over at Birdie's a few nights ago that is where Juju Brents the Warren Central product had his draft party uh, he's yet to participate in an NFL practice and it didn't sound like and his that's a absence. position where they need as many guys practicing as possible and what a great opportunity for him totally you know to possibly get some early playing time you know anytime you see young guys particularly rookies miss a chunk of their first NFL offseason I tend to think like is there injury history here when you look at Juju Brents he started all 27 games at Kansas State the last two years he did have a knee injury in 2019 but outside of that he was pretty healthy during his time at Iowa so um, it doesn't look like that this is a guy that you know has this big-time injury history, but certainly uh, his availability and trying to earn some sort of trust from the coaching staff, it'd be wise for him to get on the field soon. In, in your opinion, Kevin, I don't know that there's a right answer on this, but from, from what you have been able to see, if you were able to go back to between when you were working for the franchise and the now covering camps, aside from you know putter and kicker, what position requires – wrong way of saying it. What position can you miss the most time in camp and still seamlessly plug in when called upon? Boy, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Receiver? You know, part of me th- – Except for that you have a new young quarterback, so you need to work on timing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say receiver. I would go, honestly, corner if you play in, like, a man defense scheme. If you're in a primarily man scheme, Jake Query, you, you know, I'm Gus Bradley, you are whatever, uh, Stephon Gilmore. Okay, Jake, uh, we're in man 90% of the game. You're just on an island, and whoever lines up across from you, <laughs> you have know, at it. You know what Gus Bradley would say if Stephon Gilmore was the guy he's calling upon, don't you? <laughs> I mean, come on. Again, remember, Mark is asleep and naked in the studio right now. Stop describing exactly what's happening right now, Kevin. I mean, clearly Mark's asleep at the wheel that we had a Stephon Kilmore mention. I, and I, then, I, I can play the audio, but I think it's been banned, so I can't play it. <laughs> He's not here anymore. I know, but I, don't think I, I still don't think I can play it. Yeah, I would say a man cover corner just like okay you're on an island you know you you worry about that guy lining up across from you and the other 10 guys will worry about whatever else is going on from a defensive standpoint um, it does look like and again right now they're doing some stretching on the other practice field it does look like Darius Rush the fifth round pick out of South Carolina is back and they have practice. high expectations for him very high yeah. um, he has missed some not as much time as Juju Brents but he has missed some time here but that's at least good news on that cornerback front. So everything getting underway here in just a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll see. Practice goes for how long this morning, Kevin? I believe it's a 90-minuter, um, so, right. which is a little bit of a longer session. Some of these have been kind of an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And again, like I said, with this being really the only practice in about a 72-hour span, makes sense. You go a little bit longer, you have the full pads on for their second full padded session here 
of training camp. Again, we are live here in Westfield. If you missed it earlier, Zach Kiefer joined us uh, early in the show. He had some new stuff on the Jonathan Taylor situation, as did Stephen Holder. We'll touch on some of that coming up here in the 9 o'clock hour. Have you seen Taylor yet? I have not, but I have not. I'll step out and look down at that end of the field and see if we see Jonathan Taylor. Make a little walk down there to see if Jonathan Taylor continues to be present at Colts camp. We'll do that coming up 9 o'clock hour. Still got to give away a four-pack of tickets to the State Fair via the Pop Quiz. We'll do that as well. Kevin Aquari live here in Westfield, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. It is technically 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well in a large foghorn that just went off. Actually, it was more of an um, air horn to indicate that Colts practice about to get underway here at Grand Park in Westfield on this training camp day. Practice from 9 until 10.30. Kevin, the good news is we've had plenty to talk about this morning aside from the drama of Jonathan Taylor. But the reality is that story still continues to linger. By the way, I have like a... Have you noticed this? I have like a canker sore on my tongue. Have you, you noticed that, you Kevin? It. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I can't say I've been inside your mouth. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> look at that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Phrasing. No. no. Occasionally, it might sound like I'm, I'm strictly slurring. painting a picture, Mark. I'm not, I'm That's not, what radio <laughs> is. It's a big part of painting a descriptive picture <laughs> I, I promise, for our audience here. I promise oh I'm not slurring for any reason other than some words are tough to enunciate. But the Jonathan Taylor story has yeah, been I gotta obviously raise my a big hand here, one. Jake, you know, I said that, and I forgot that the speaker is playing out to the to the fans that are walking in. I'm just. I'm just What's going on, on in that tent three, over there? Fa- father of three young girls just scurried the girls a little bit quicker. Hurry on! Hurry on! Hurry That's on! Good. That's good. Yeah, Landon. Maybe let's let's turn down that speaker here. I mean, uh, but at any rate, it is still a story that is obviously continues to. Not only linger over this camp, Kevin, but at times grow some legs as well. Yeah, and again, a little bit of newer items. Um, we had Zach Kiefer on with us earlier in the show. Uh, and then Stephen Holder uh, published something this morning on Taylor. And just a couple of, I, I guess you would call them updates. Again, we're very vague from the Colts right now on what updates we're going to get with Taylor. I think the actions have got to speak louder. The actions would be, do you see free agent signings at running back? Obviously, do you see Taylor come off the pup list in Taylor's camp? Uh, does he speak to the media at any point? Does he continue to show up at these practices? I would assume that he does. Uh, but a couple items here from Holder um, said that Taylor took offense to disagreements related to the management 
of his injuries, according to multiple sources. Say that again. Taylor took offense to the disagreements related to the management of his injuries, according to multiple sources. Let's focus on that for just a second. Jake, I think we talked about this last fall when Taylor was going through the first real injury of his football career. I mean, durability is how this guy has been defined until last season. Jake, I remember like walking back into the studio the morning after the media availabilities with Taylor and being like, I am so confused on if he's going to play or not. Like He just was coy, and it was mysterious, and very odd. Um, it was so awkward hearing him address his injury situations. And if you look at the nature of his season, it was so start and stop. He you know, played the first four games, and then it was two games off. He played two more, and then it was a game off. He played five. And then he didn't play the final three. You know, three different starts and stops last season. You don't typically see that with guys in regards to their injury situations. And I get that a high ankle sprain can be nagging and all of that. But what do you make of Taylor having some issues, I guess, with the Colts and their handling of his injury situation? I I think with any player, Kevin, and I've covered sports for a long time, in any sport, any player, the one thing that is always – that that is the most volatile powder keg is the expectation or the timeline or the way a player comes back from injury. It's the number one thing that that creates like when you if you read about listen to you know whatever things that lead to the dissolve of like relationships or marriages and they always say like you know number you know obviously infidelity but like the number one thing is money people stress about money or the children or trauma or, you know whatever it might be mine would and maybe be how much i eat doritos okay that too that um <laughs> well i'm not going to say that the uh evidence was there when you had to put on the tank top but oh jeez come on but dad bod i think when when you get into professional athletes it's difficult because they have a stress about them that, that comes with an injury of wanting you know it's got to be a very uneasy feeling because here you are the one thing that you probably have taken for granted your incredible physical conditioning is now suddenly in jeopardy and you don't know you have no idea whether that's going to be a week a month a year and it's got to be a terrifying and uncertain feeling and so when you take that and then you compound that with the fact that other people are trying to tell you the timeline or accelerate or predict your timeline. I, I just think, you know, Edger and James went to Miami. We all know about, like, the whole thing with Jay Moore and, you know, about the the discrepancy over his knee doctor. You know, Andrew Luck went to a doctor at Stanford instead of the one that the Colts wanted him to see. Peyton Manning was hanging out, you know, doing throws like in – with in North Carolina at Duke or whatever it was and nobody really knew exactly what was going on with the, the, the nerves in his neck and it just goes on and on Kevin so I, I yes the very long-winded answer to what you're saying is I, I have 100% belief that even the most docile and team-oriented player in sports can become one that has the ability to start to get sideways when it comes towards the way others are perceiving and or dictating their health. And I would say, especially when it's the first time you've ever dealt with anything of substance from an injury standpoint, and that is 
that's Taylor right now with what he's dealing with. Um, this note right here, and this one, I, I couldn't agree more with with Chris Ballard on this. I couldn't disagree more with Jim Irsay on it. Um, and, and who knows, if you want to, I guess, try and compliment Irsay on it, maybe he's trying to raise trade value or something with this comment. But uh, Stephen Holder again wrote this in his ESPN.com piece. Although Jim Mercy said he wouldn't trade Taylor, the idea has not been totally dismissed at Colts headquarters, according to multiple sources who said Taylor remains steadfast in his desire to play elsewhere. Jake, if you have no plan to keep Jonathan Taylor beyond this 2023 season, you have to trade him. You have got to get returned. This goes back to the Turner-Sabonis debates. Yes, yeah, that's fair. This goes back to trading Malcolm Brogdon. You cannot let guys on expiring contracts simply hit the open market and then they walk. You needed to move Karis LeVert and get some return when you did. You needed to move Malcolm Brogdon and get return when you did. Obviously, Sabonis was the big one in getting Halliburton back. But I think the same thing applies here for, for Taylor. And you know what? Let's just say you trade Jonathan Taylor and you get a third-round pick. That third-round pick could be Terrell Basham or it could be T.Y. Hilton. Right. You know, it, it, no doubt. But you have got to try and do that. And so that is where – and again, who knows? Maybe Ursay and his very steadfast demeanor of we're not trading him now, we're not trading him in October that's in reference to the trade deadline. Maybe that was simply like, uh, you know, hard in the sand. We're going to show teams that, you know, you really have got to come after us if you want to make that trade. Maybe that's what it is. But in my opinion, um, I agree a little bit more on the Chris Ballard front in that you have got to look – and answer, make calls, and answer calls if anyone has interest in him. It's franchise this malpractice is, if you're not if you're not listening to offers. This uh, I, I would agree. I mean, you, you're always listen. I, I think any team would tell you that you are always open to making your team better. Now, here is a ludicrous question. I'm almost embarrassed to ask it, but I'm going to tee tee it up for you, Kevin. You ready? Okay. Jonathan Taylor's been a great player, and he has had great moments for. Probably in totality, it would be a season and a half of the. How many years has he been here? He's been here for three years. Three? Uh-huh. I, I would I would say two. One great season, a very good rookie season, and last year the good rookie season took a while to get going, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I still think eleven hundred yards as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, he's been a great player. But if you get three years out of him, and then you're forced to trade Steve. him, did you burn a second round pick? I think you have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Is that I, too harsh? I, I, I don't think that's too harsh. I do want to get into Stephen that a little Holder bit that. more. Stephen Holder, who I – sorry, Stephen, for abruptly asking you if you would hop on. Let me get uh, Landon over here to get uh, your I'm just going to start hitting on. buttons, and then, Stephen, you, you give me a thumb up when you can start hearing stuff. Stephen, we have talked – a lot. Am I am I good to go? Yeah, I think I'm good to actually, go. All right. I just, hear you guys. Steve, we've got Hank FM playing over over our ears now. Steven, we, we, we've touched a lot on your story from today, um, and I think there's a lot of good points in there. If you kind of had to boil it down to what you thought was maybe the most interesting item within this, I would call it you know, an update on the Taylor situation, yeah. uh, where would you point to? Uh, so I would probably start with the idea that this is it is about a contract but i but i also think it is more complex than that it's it's more nuanced than that the the contract is a part of i think a slightly bigger picture 
And it, it doesn't mean that, that had he gotten a contract extension, we'd probably be in a different place. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right? That can fix a lot. Sure. But, but I think it, it, is, it has been compounded by other things. And so one of those things is I, I think this feeling by Jonathan Taylor, which I, I get this, that last year – you know, he felt some obligation to go out there and try to push through this injury. Whether he should have, you know, pushed back harder, I don't know, and I wasn't there, right? None of us know exactly what those conversations consisted of. But we do know he went out there, he put it on the line for a very bad football team <laughs> that won four games, wasn't going anywhere. And as I point out, you know, 61 snaps against the Raiders after when he's just coming off, you know, a, another tweak of the ankle a couple weeks prior to that. And so this goes over and over and over. This happens. He, he gets re-injured twice. And then there's just really a, a distaste from Jonathan Taylor when now he is told, well, you know, you didn't play that well last year. And, you know, you had that injury. You didn't play that well. So I, we don't think we should extend you. And I think that in the, in the grand scheme, there's a feeling from Jonathan Taylor that, you know, look, man, you know, I have contributed more to this team than perhaps anybody over the last three years. And, and this, is, this is how I'm being rewarded. Now, the flip side of that is the truth of the matter that players, that's, that's hard for players to accept is that teams do not pay you for what you have done. They pay you for what you are going to do. And so it goes back to what I was saying the other day. Is anyone truly wrong? Is anyone in a truly indefensible position here? No. Now, the other thing I would add is that his – I don't know if this comes through. I sometimes try to be really careful with my language in these stories. But Jonathan Taylor is way more pissed than people realize. And I think that is going to be – Something that just has to be dealt with. Stephen, is that is he is he organically upset, or is part of that fueled by people in his ear? No, I don't. I I really don't think that it. I I know where you're getting at. It's not about that. So, is it possible that someone like me Mm -hmm. saw everything and said the agent is telling Jonathan Taylor what to say? Is it possible, in fact, that Jonathan Taylor is telling the agent what to say? So, here's a fun fact: Jonathan Taylor, when he parted ways with his old agent. He, in very Jonathan Taylor-like form, went out and interviewed a number of agents. Like some of the biggest in the business who you'd know. You know, the big companies that, that everybody talks about every day, that represent all the quarterbacks and all CAA, that. CAA, Rosenhaus, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, abs- all of them. Exactly. Check, check, check. He interviewed with all of them, and then he settled on his current agent. So what does that tell me, or what does that suggest? Let's put it that way. It suggests that he knew exactly what he was doing, and he did it very willingly, right? I mean, he could have gone with, you know, the standard fare. All right, we're going to do business, you know, the, the normal way uh, that, that you're expected to do business in the industry. He went with a guy who isn't known for that. In fact, is known for the opposite, okay? And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily having a different style, right? I mean, he's, he's gotten a lot of players paid, so like it, it's worked to some degree, right? But the point is, I do think the idea that, that Jonathan Taylor is being co-opted by an agent, it's just not true because Jonathan Taylor considered very carefully <laughs> how to proceed with this agent with when he hired a new agent, and he, 
he rebuffed all those other all those other attempts to represent him to go with this particular agent. Again, Stephen Holder with us, ESPN, his latest inside running back Jonathan Taylor's trade standoff with the Colts. We're watching practice behind us right now. Chris Ballard observing the quarterbacks here, working out as special teams drills continue on um, the other fields here up at Grand Park. Um, it's both, in my opinion. I think there's hesitancy with his injury situation from the Colts. I think there maybe is a question overall philosophy now with Shane Steichen. If you had to look at those two things right there, Stephen, the injury situation of Taylor and or a new philosophy with Shane Steichen, maybe Chris Ballard even looking in the mirror and saying, I need to alter my philosophy. What do you think is more at play here? Hmm. A change in philosophy or real serious hesitancy due to Taylor's physical state? That's a good question. I, I, I really don't think the injury in the grand scheme, in the long term, right, in the long term, is a big deal. I, I don't get that sense from anybody. Because Taylor was upset in June, theoretically, before any sort of back. Yes. Or if, and as you point out here True. in the story, the culture caught off guard by his anger coming into camp. And yeah. they wanted Taylor to report earlier to camp to look at him physically. So I think before we got to those parts of it, back in mid-June, Jonathan Taylor was not happy. No, he, he expressed it. I mean, think about how out of character it was for him sure. to express anything remotely controversial. I mean, you and I would stand in his locker, in that locker room, during the open periods and be like, okay, Jonathan, you, you got to say something. Like, this is this is ridiculous. I, I love my teammates. I'm just a team player. Hopefully, you know, we're going to try harder next week. You know, Jonathan's that player. The guy who never says anything, who I sometimes don't even turn on the record button. You know, it's like, <laughs> and so this is the guy who now is like, you know, damn it, look at what's happening out there. And I'm really, really angry. And we saw it back in June, as you said. So anyway, to your question, you know, is it more philosophy? Is it more the injury? From the team's perspective, their hesitancy. I mean, I, that's a hard question. I really, I, th- I think the philosophy maybe is a bigger piece of this than we realize. I, I think that is a fair a Ballard point. change or a Steichen influence. Uh, I think a little of both, perhaps. And and so here's the reality: um, Shane Steichen. And I think really Nick Sirianni, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach who he worked with, and we know him well, they come from a school of where, uh, you know, running game is scheme, or at least in large part is scheme, okay? So that doesn't mean that that a great running back in a great scheme isn't better than an average running back in a great scheme. Of course it is. But I'm just making the point that, that they really seem... To feel that way. I think, you know, we saw that uh, with, with Philadelphia in, in Nick's first season. You know, they really revamped their, their running game and, and really uh, sort of dialed in on that. And, and they, I think, led the NFL in rushing, you know, and they didn't have a Jonathan Taylor, per se. So that might be part of this. That, that, it's hard to say because, you know, Shane doesn't go into a lot of depth about his, his philosophy, but... I think reading between the lines, you know, Chris Ballard's quotes, reading between the lines, there's some suggestion of that. So I think a strong suggestion of that. And just a note, for the sixth straight practice in the same T-shirt jersey over the black hoodie, Jonathan Taylor once again out here watching the running backs right now go through some ball handling drills. Steven, you have covered, I'm going to guesstimate here, uh, you know what, just your 18th training camp over two different franchises, oh, something like that. Oh man, uh, any way to know? Like uh, 19. Okay, so Bucks and Colts, Lord. The two teams, right? That's correct. Okay, over the course of that time, I asked Kevin this earlier. 
what position, and maybe it's different from year to year for a franchise, but for the most part, aside from punter kicker, give me the position in the National Football League that a guy requires the least amount of training camp reps before he can be plugged in and be effective in a game situation. Mm. Okay. Um, I, could it be running back? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's a fair question. It might be. The only hesitation I have when you say running back is that th- there is so much, I, I think, um, synchronization with the offensive line, and and then there's there's pass blocking, which is like a tremendously important part of of their job description. So those are the two areas where I think uh, it it really requires their presence at practice, and and missing time can can really hurt you in terms of that synchronization that I'm talking about. But in terms of doing their job, right? I mean, it's a very instinctual position. Okay, you know, it's very much a matter of, you know, look, if, we, if we're calling a zone read play, I mean, obviously there are some, some intricacies, but it's basically, you know, it's a cutback situation, right? And, and running backs have that sixth sense that they, they're, you know, the good ones are just born with. So, so yeah, I, I don't think that's a terrible, a terrible uh, guess. I think running back, I mean, because I, I don't, I was going to say like maybe safety, corner. I thought corner maybe. if you're like locked in a man yeah. scheme. Like if you're just but playing yeah. man, all right, Stephen Holy, well, okay, you so come corner, out of Miami, yeah. boom, you yeah. got that corner. But if, if you're playing zone, absolutely that, not. That's right? a different and, they, and everybody yeah. plays some zone. Zone is like, I mean, if one guy is not in, in the right position, yeah. it's a bust and it's a touchdown, right? Sure. We have talked so much about Jonathan Taylor and understandably rightly so in this camp. Yeah. We have only touched on this. I wanted you to kind of add to it. How critically important are the reps right now that Juju Brents is not getting? Oh, I mean, they matter. They absolutely matter. Uh, I, I think particularly, you know, we just, you know, KB just talked about if you're playing man, well, that's not what they do here. <laughs> so they're a zone system team. You know, uh, cover three, you know, they, they have some variation, obviously, but, I mean, their, their base coverage is zone coverage. So that requires all these interlocking pieces to work together. And that guy is now... You know, Juju's now a bigger piece of what they're doing. He, him not being out there, he's not getting uh, the the experience and these reps with his with his teammates. And what why that matters so much is beyond the obvious is that you have <clears throat> excuse me you have different players play different coverages differently or you know sort of take different angles all these different things and and those are the kinds of things that you learn you know through these two-hour practices out here you know when we think they're just kind of just running around you know playing tag <laughs> uh steven i you got anything else jake i feel i feel bad we already had him on earlier in the week i don't want to keep him <laughs> it's all good any longer uh, inside a running back jonathan taylor's trade standoff with the colts steven's latest up on espn.com steven i thought it was a great read uh you've been all over this i'm afraid we are just in the early <laughs> early stages still of it uh but thank you for stopping by with us yeah i'm gonna go uh, get some gatorade and uh you know get ready it's for the rest warm of out here isn't it? it is yeah. it, it is getting a little tough coming from a floridian man out here at colts get that was steven holder with us here live at grand park uh we've got uh looks like chris ballard jonathan taylor together here in the end zone oh look at kevin getting the photo there let's see yeah, i'm trying to get Sa- can you they- tell sam ellinger to move are they, here's the thing. Are they engaged in conversation? You can't even tell, right? You know, isn't it kind of funny here? You've got from Richardson, Steichen, obviously you've got Breaking Taylor. news, Ballard's walked away. They were talking and Ballard's now walked Ballard away. Ballard and Taylor. With his, with his head down. Uh, you've got all of the 
uh, key figures right now in this chaos. Um, okay, the pop quiz is coming up in a few. That would be 317-239-1070. Again, a four-pack of tickets to the state fair. Before we do that, let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Reds lost yesterday to the Cubs. Oh, baby. On its way. Another homer. It's feeling good. Okay. <laughs> you think there'll be a banner raised at Wrigley Field for 36 runs in two games? No, I'll, I'll know because they're going to be there on Wednesday. There should I'll let be. You know. I forgot that you are going to be there. That's right. Coming up. Uh, yeah, Reds got absolutely slaughtered. They. Good news, though. They are half game up. In the NL Central still, as the Brewers are struggling with the Nationals right now, it is a very crowded NL wildcard picture. Uh, and I think that's a fear for really anybody involved in the playoff race right now is all of a sudden you lose divisional reign and you're going to be thrown into a jumbled, jumbled wildcard picture. Who's got more hits, uh, Bruce Springsteen next Thursday night or the Reds in this four-game series? Uh, Bruce Springsteen's going to play Born to Runs and dedicate to the Cubs. Or, uh, runs have not been that big of an issue. Didn't they score nine and five? It's, it's the giving up of the runs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, kicking the ball between around the, in the pitching and, and, I mean, literally, like, Fairchild was on roller skates for the better part of the, that game last night. As soon as the Cubs got the lead, it was over. Hunter Green, Nick. Ladolo need to be back very, very quickly. I think Green on assignment. So hopefully that'll happen soon. Do you want me to, to narrate here whether or not Richardson is accurate on this pass? He's doing a rollout. He throws, ooh, very, T. very wide right of the target. How many catches do you think T and Frog, the equipment people for the Colts, have in their careers? <laughs> uh, a couple of them made nice catches, actually. Yeah. Nice throw there from Sam Ellinger, right on the mark. Uh, quarterbacks warming up in like front of us. Uh, they're doing a little running back drills and throwing to members of the equipment staff Gardner here. Minshew on target. Practice number six for the Colts. It is a full pad a day. It is underway at Grand Park. On the other side, though, we'll do the pop quiz coming up next here. 317-239-10. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 70. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. I have not yet looked at the Pop Quiz. How are we looking on this one? Uh, typical. Yeah, typical. <laughs> Just awful. Sock full of nickels coming at you. Uh, quarterbacks doing some drills right now. We've got quite the contraption out there that the quarterbacks have to throw over here currently trying to throw kind of like 20-ish yard touch passes here down in the red zone area part of the field. Jonathan Taylor, is this the new school uniform for Jonathan Taylor? The black hoodie and the white t-shirt. I mean, that's got to be hot, right? I would think so. Those white t-shirt jerseys are a little bit of a new touch this year for the injured guys. Is that what it signifies? I think that's part of the attire they'd like for you to wear. You can see Jelani Woods wearing his on the other side of the field. The Colts underway here at Grand Park. Practice number six. Underway a full padded day for the Colts. 
Uh, do we have callers for the pop quiz, Mark? We do. We've got loaded phone lines. Okay. I'm going to go with... Can I pick the number here, one through eight? Sure. I'll go with five because Anthony Richardson is right in front of us. Oh, so you want to go five. Sam Ellinger, four? Well, we could go with that. Which We'll let Mark decide. Four or five, Mark. Oh, fun. Uh, we'll go with four. We'll go with Brian. What's up, Brian? Good morning. Now, now, should we caution this real quick that the pop quiz the last couple days you guys have been out, the remotes has been a disaster. So if this yeah, goes sideways, utter disaster. We should, we should go to another caller. If Brian can walk and talk at the same time, it will be an upgrade over what we've had earlier. Brian, how old a fella are you? I am 44 years old. 44-year-old Brian. Okay, and you are, are, you've called the program before, Brian? Yes, I have. And are you native to Indianapolis? Uh, no, the Lafayette area. Okay, and you went to Central Catholic, you went to Delphi, you went to Lafayette Jeff, you went to Harrison, you went to McCutcheon, you can stop me at any time. Uh, Rossville? <laughs> no, I actually I actually grew up in a, in a small community to about an hour away from Lafayette, but I live in Lafayette now. That's what I meant. Okay, so the high school you attended was which? How about Attica? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Covington High School. Covington. Oh, is that, I think we discussed this. Down by the Beef House? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Did you work at the Beef House? No, no, never worked have, there. Have you had? Have, have you eaten at the Beef House? Oh yeah, plenty of times. Okay. I looked at the menu there one time. Boy, it's mostly that's beef. Quite the menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's you know the first all vegan place, always stop there after the games in Champagne. Right? First time that I ever did a yeah. work trip in media. I was working at a television station and covering a Purdue game at Illinois, and we stopped at the Beef House, and we sat down, and the photojournalist, who was a veteran that I was working with, said, do you get per diem? I said, yeah. And he goes, how much? And I said, I have $30 or whatever. And he goes, cool. Well, I'm the veteran of the two of us, so I'm going to get a $60 dinner, and you can pay for your own. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Brian, you excited about going to the State Fair? Yes, yes, very much so. Okay. All right, Jake, you want to throw number one, Brian? All right, I'll lead you off here, Brian, with question number one. Uh, Shane Steichen will open his career as the Colts head coach next Saturday in Buffalo. There are three former Colts head coaches that are in the Hall of Fame as a coach, uh, as a coach, because Mike McCormick made it as a player. Uh, Name two of the three Colts head coaches that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So these are guys that are in the Hall of Fame that at some point in their career were coaches of the Baltimore or Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Tony Dungy and mm-hmm. Ted Marshabroda. Keyword on Baltimore there. Right? Uh, the other one, the, the other guy actually has a restaurant that rivals the Beef House because it sells steaks. Oh, uh, Don Shula. Okay. Do you notice a Taylor limp? People are wondering. You know what? I have an interesting question. Kidding aside, I was watching Jonathan Taylor walk. And I have not, you know, I've never not paid attention before how he walks, but he walks very non-fluid. Like he, he's walking with his back straight up and very robotically. So I wouldn't say limp, almost intentionally robotic. I think if the injury was super, super serious, A, he wouldn't be out here. B, there'd be some sort of ankle contraption on injured. Unless it's back. Ankle. Well, yeah, unless it's back, which he aggressively denies. All right, number two here, Brian. The Cubs added to their 20-run. That's how difficult it is for me to say because I'm so shocked by it. 20-run outburst (laughs) against the Reds on Tuesday night by scoring 16 more last night. What was the Chicago National League franchise's name the last time they scored 36 runs? over two games. I'm actually watching them right now. Is it A, the team has never scored 36 runs over two games, B, the White 
stockings. C, the Colts. Or D, let's go with the Oprahs. <laughs> There's a hint for you. The, the, whole, the Colts. Okay, question number three for you. <laughs> Mark's been in more of the Thanks, hint Mark. mood here. Thanks, as of Ryan, this well, is one of those like question. S- this is one of those super convoluted questions. So I'm going to try to simplify it. Okay. <laughs> uh, after last night, Joey Votto has now hit 50 home runs in his career against the Cubs. There are three players in Reds history that have been able to say, "I hit 50 home runs against the same franchise." The other two are Johnny Bench and Frank Robinson, and it just so happens that both of them did this feat against the same franchise. Was it the Cubs, the Braves, the Phillies, or the Dodgers? Uh, let's say the Phillies. All right, number three here, Brian. Ronald Acuna Jr. hit home run number 25 last night of the season in their win, the Braves win over the Angels. He becomes the first player in more than a decade to record at least 25 homers and 50 stolen bases in a season. Who was the last to have 25 homers and 50 steals in the same season? A, Mike Trout. B, Jimmy Rollins. C, Jacoby Ellsbury. Or D, Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez. <laughs> Hanley Ramirez, I believe, is who that was. Okay. Brian, uh, question five for you, here. Brian. 63 years ago today, the only trade in Major League history involving managers took place when Jimmy Dykes and Joe Gordon were traded for one another. Name one of the two franchises, both of which are approximately a five and a half, within a five-and-a-half-hour drive of Indianapolis. Name one of the two franchises that were involved. Within a five. Would it be Cleveland? Who would your other guest be? If Cleveland's one, who's the other? Uh, Pittsburgh. Okay, not bad. Not bad. I like the I like the geographical knowledge. I mean, this went so much better than the last two days. Brian deserves like a, they should name a day at the State Fair after Brian compared right. to what we've had to deal with here the past few days. Um, it took a little bit of coaxing, I guess, on well, maybe a hint or two, but I see what four or five if you want to give them the last one. Uh, Webb Eubank, Don Shula, Tony Dungy for number one. We a die a die a die. Weeb, excuse me. Uh, thank you for that, Mark, on the Joseph Adai. <laughs> question two was indeed the Colts. That is question correct. four was indeed Hanley Ramirez. And Loud question five, and the Detroit Tigers and Cleveland Indians. But it was question yeah! number three that tripped things up. Joey Votto, I, there's no reason anybody would or should know this. Yeah, just said uh, an absolutely awful question. Bra- I, I can't believe it was question three. Braves was the correct answer. You blew it! So much baseball. Yeah, I mean. Let's throw in a few more Colts-centric questions. I would tend to agree with that. Tend Mark, is Scotty in studio? Does he have an opinion on that? He is not. No, he's not here. Okay. All right. Uh, we're at Colts practice. Brian, want, I'm naked in here, tickets. as you've said, so he doesn't want to be anywhere near the studio. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll just stop there after your comment from earlier in the show. Colts practice <laughs> underway right now. Again, a full padded day for the Colts. Looks like some one-on-one drills about to commence, so things going to pick up a little bit here as we are now about a little over half hour. In to practice the linebackers coming down to beat the running backs, Shaquille Leonard, Zaire Franklin, and company. Ready for some one-on-ones. We'll do it one five. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Final time here, Kevin and Query live from Grand Park. They're throwing right at us. Yeah, Will Mallory was right in our kitchen there with a beautiful catch just a couple reps ago. Shaquille Leonard and I believe Deion Jackson, the rolled-up jersey. Are we at risk when Richardson's throwing? Uh, of an airmail? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Boy, this would be quite the miss to bounce into our lap over here. Beautiful play by Nick Cross on Kylan Granson. We are live here at Grand Park. It is practice number six for the Indianapolis Colts. Full padded day and again, Jake, this is kind of going to be the norm for us in our final few shows from up here. I think we've got three more after this and if I'm not mistaken three of the four are like this. The 9 a.m. start time. So that means this final hour of the show, you'll have practice going on. I guess just kind of set the scene. Basically, on one practice field, you've got Sam Ellinger throwing with uh, tight ends and running backs, some DBs and linebackers. A little bit further down the field, you've got Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. Looks like primarily throwing to wideouts down on that end. Uh, you've got more of the big dudes on the other field, and everybody will come together for some 11-on-11 work here Short The workouts they're doing right now, Sam Ellinger's dropping back. You know, you're thrown into the corner end zone. you got tight ends and linebackers on. It, nice coverage there by Shaq Leonard. Would you say that this is more an evaluation for the defender, for the tight end, or for the quarterback? It's a drill designed to, to most assess which. Yeah, I would say most assess probably your defensive players in coverage. I yeah, mean, they, especially they are, since they know where they're going, right? They're on an island. I mean, these defensive guys are rather exposed right now. It's man coverage. It's obviously the quarterback and the pass catcher know where they're going with this. Um, so I would say mostly for the defender, and it's certainly a drill that favors the offense, uh, considering there's no help for these defenders whatsoever. But right at now. the same time, it's pretty clear where the offensive receiver is going. Right? I mean, it's not like there's picks and things like that. Right, but obviously you could disguise, you know, what your route's looking like, whether it's, you know, whatever, slant, fade. You know, we just saw fade there to Mo Cox. So uh, that is what is happening at Colts I have an additional question. Right now. That I asked last year. So it's a bit rhetorical. Some of the players are wearing the extra, and we've seen more of this, the extra form of padding that goes over the helmet. And I understand that's a heck of a one-handed catch, by the way. Yeah, Kylan Granson, beautiful. Um, And I understand that that extra padding that's going on top of the helmet is like a precautionary or maybe even post-cautionary after the fact concussion limiter, if you will. With all of the emphasis that has been put on neurological health and protection in the National Football League, and I understand the, the logoing of it, but I still go back to why do that? I mean, you're getting more and more guys that are wearing these at every practice. Why don't they wear them in games? Shaq Leonard there, a pick of Sam Ellinger in one on one. I mean, you can get the color scheme and the logo put on like an arm sleeve. You can't put it on those extra paddings. Pretty good rep there by Leonard. Uh, yeah, that, that is a question. You know, it's funny uh, you bring that up. I was listening to Tony Dungy yesterday on Dan Patrick. Dungy was in, I think, an officiating um, discussion up at the Hall of Fame game in regards to this season, and he asked the same question, and I I don't think he shared really any answer. So I don't know. Uh, two thoughts, and again, I'm not saying like these are great reasons by any means. I do know there are some players that have mentioned like 
it does make them whatever a tad slower. I, I could see that a know, little adds bit adds a little resistance. bit more weight, yeah. things like that. Um, the other thing, and again, I. I mean, we've got seven more years to go on the CBA. It was not collectively bargained. I know that might sound stupid, but, like, okay. I, I, again, I, I'm probably grasping at straws here, but I do think there will be a point in time, Jake, that don't you think we just get to a point in time where, like, you have you have a helmet that, again, and I don't know the engineering aspect to it, but do we get a point in time where the helmet is almost like the new IndyCar? Yeah, that's what I, for sure. I mean, honestly, just absorbs everything, yeah. and, and you know, you know the 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 science much better than well, I. Well, the problem with that, and now we're getting way in over our skis. I realize, but the problem with that is, Kevin, the Indy cars are designed, auto racing in general. You know, they always say the worse the accident looks, oftentimes the better it is, and that's because the way that Indy cars are designed is is from an engineering standpoint for all of the force and the energy upon impact to go from the center outward right and so like when you see an accident all the parts go flying in a million directions because the car is designed to have all of that energy moving away from the center subject and so i have no idea when you're talking about part of that energy being an actual person what that means I, you know what i mean sure sure i, I have yeah. no idea but I, I i get your point i mean you would think that it is an ongoing as more injuries take place they continue to come up with different things different studies different research to assess what it is in fact that um can be done moving forward it's probably a bigger topic for another day and i i don't want to open up a can of worms but i guess i am think about time max bowen one-year-old Max Bowen here next month is in high school. It'll be flag football until high school. I think that's entirely possible. You know, the other thing, too, Kevin, anytime I talk about high school or youth sports, I get a million people that tell me I have no idea what I'm talking about because I don't have kids. Maybe that's true. Maybe I'm off base. But it does feel like in soccer, I've been hearing about how soccer is the sport of the future since 1978. But and I have always said, there. Are, when people say, like, there are more youths playing youth soccer than any other sport, and I've always said, part of that is because if you have a young child and you want them to learn teamwork and get physical activity and those kinds of things, but they're not overly athletic or they're a little bit nervous with the spotlight on them, soccer is the easiest sport for a child to learn where they never have to be in the spotlight and they can kind of blend in a little bit. And then kids that are really good and gifted at it, oftentimes, when they get to an older age, get introduced to other sports and then start doing that and soccer becomes in the rear view for them. Not saying that's the case as much as it used to be, but that does come into play. But I do think that the numbers for youth sports, as I understand it, certainly uh, it, when the movie Concussion was out and those things, they did start to take a dip. And part of that was because more kids also were playing soccer and staying with it now because now they're watching the MLS and they're watching the, the you know, the Premier League, and they're watching Ted Lasso and whatever else it might be. And then you have more and more parents that are concerned about the health aspect of the collision sport of football. So, yeah, I think it's a fair question. Um, Anthony Richardson, Jake, getting the starting reps for a second straight practice. I'd probably have to go back and look at my notes. I don't remember that happening. Obviously, we'll see how practice unfolds the rest of today. I do remember one day where Richardson took the initial 
starting reps like he's doing today. And then I think Gardner Minshew took the rest. Uh, he threw a pretty ugly interception, though, just a few plays ago to Daryl Baker Jr. Baker Jr. is a name that I've brought up before, Jake. I think he has benefited the most from the absence of Juju Brents and Darius Rush uh, here this camp, this offseason. I think if you were playing tomorrow and you came out in a nickel package, you would see Juju Brents as, or excuse me, you would see Daryl Baker Jr. as that third corner with those guys. Undrafted free agent from a couple years ago um, out of Georgia Southern for him, but um, yeah, Richardson with an early pick. Trying to target Alec Pierce there on the pick to Daryl Baker Jr. It, it, it does seem like Richardson's passes, not all the time, don't get me wrong, but it does seem like he has a a challenge right now of throw when I say overthrowing, I mean being higher than the intended target. A lot yeah. lot of you know what I mean? Yeah, the misses tend to be a high fastball. Correct. Um, I also think there are some issues in that play. It was not necessarily the high fastball. It was more just like a timing. Like you, you, you get to your third read. Pierce has maybe been sitting there for a second and a half. So now Daryl Baker Jr. jumps that route. And by Richardson making the progressions, boom, he throws it thinking Pierce is there. And by that point, Baker Jr. Well, timed it. And honestly, that ball looked like it was more intended for Daryl Baker Jr. And Kevin, than it was. The hardest thing, I think, for a, a, a quarterback to learn as we're watching practice right now, and Anthony Richardson, like you're talking about right there, mistiming a little bit the the amount of time he had to make that throw. The The reality is that at Florida, that probably was not an issue. And that's even in the SEC. But the gap, if you will, of the amount of time that you have to get the ball into open space in the NFL, that's the timing right there is the biggest thing I think that a quarterback has to learn is the fact that – and that's why – that's why he needs to be out here. Right. And when you look He's at – got to see it. You know, when you look at Trevor Lawrence and you look at Joe Burrow and you look at, for that matter, probably Peyton Manning. But for a lot of quarterbacks coming in, one of the things that is the hardest for them to learn – I think it was very hard for Trevor Lawrence to learn. And I love – Trevor Lawrence's game. I think he's a fabulous talent. I think he's the closest, all-encompassing to like a Peyton Manning level touch that I've seen. And I'm not, you know, I'm not Mel Kiper. But all of that to be said, I think Lawrence, the hardest thing for him when he first got to Jacksonville, aside from the fact that he was in a circus with a bozo coach, was the fact that he was so used to in college throwing to guys that were two steps in front of their defenders. He was throwing to T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Amari Rogers, who's out here right now. He was throwing to a bunch of guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. And when you get into the NFL and that and and you now are throwing two guys who are the gap is not as great between themselves and the defender that takes a lot of time to get used to. Gardner Minshew just took his five reps with the second unit. Was very fortunate that cornerback Kevin Tolliver dropped an interception. That was off a batted ball from a defensive lineman. Did see a couple catches for Isaiah McKenzie in that five-play period. Jake, he's one that I, I'm curious about his usage. You know, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I think anybody that comes out here to Colts camp, they're going to see a pretty versatile, versatile guy in McKenzie. He has struggled with drops in his career, but there's no denying his speed and his electricity the key is just again getting the ball into his hands so uh, we, we talked a little bit about the Amari Rogers signing and how Shane Steichen's open-minded to the smaller wideouts Chris Ballard was almost allergic to them with how he has built that position over the years uh, Steichen much more different in the Josh Downs selection the McKenzie signing even the Rogers thing which you know albeit it's a weekend of camp I, I don't want to overreact too much to it but uh, trying to get a little shiftier, I think, at that position. It's funny you had mentioned um, 
you know, just like the Rodgers and, and, and for that matter, McKenzie, their roles. You're right, Kevin. You made a really good point earlier. The Colts had kind of gotten away from, and I'm not trying to bring up, you know, like Zach Keeper was mentioning with Jamer saying constantly go back to the Peyton Manning era, if you will, or even Andrew Luck era. But, you know, the Troy Walters, the Brandon Stokelys, the smaller guys that, that we have seen be critical pieces and, and, and kind of hidden weapons for the Colts offense over the course of the years, they have gotten away from that for the Devin Funchesses and the Dontrell Inmans and the Michael Pittmans and bigger receivers. So, you know, McKenzie, I see him in that kind of a role, right? Like a, a bubble screen or a third down slant guy that then you're trying to get in open space. That's the big thing, getting yeah. guys in open space. A hell of a one-handed catch there by Will Mallory, the rookie out of Miami, to end Ring of honor. the first 11-on-11 period. That would be the grandson of Bill Mallory, as Sam Ellinger got a little work there to end it. And now it looks like a 7-on-7 period here for the Colts. Uh, in their sixth practice day, full pads being donned at Grand Park. The um, it's starting to warm up a little bit here too, which is it is. Do you think that's just the sun beating in on us, or is it supposed to be like approaching ninety? Today? I think it's supposed to be warm again today. So, you know. We shall see. Now, what's the Colts' schedule for tomorrow, Kev? Nothing. Nothing tomorrow. So we'll be back in studio tomorrow. What would they do on a day off? Um, film. I don't know if it's like a full full day off, but. Yeah, I, I, they have I mean, a one day of those practice, built in I'm a week. Saying. Yeah, um, I think you do have one day a week where it's like you get away, like you go home, you like you literally do nothing. But if it's just kind of a day off from practice, I would say a good amount of film, good amount of meetings. Um, you've got a walkthrough as well, and then I. Don't you think there's like some sort of like kind of like league centric meetings? Like, is there someone that comes into every training camp and talks to you about gambling for a half hour? I mean, you would kind of hope, right? Especially um, now. You know, do do the rookies have an extra part? Like, hey, okay, you know, finances, you know, meeting here, real estate meeting here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I am kind of curious if that is part of the routine. Yeah, I, I mean. I think I told you when I was covering the Rams in St. Louis in Macomb, Illinois, they got a day off one day, and the only thing to do there, the only place it was even open was a Walmart, and literally, but Macomb was so far away, it was you couldn't really go anywhere. So one morning, Mike Martz canceled practice that day. Like, it wasn't a scheduled day off. He's just like, you know what? Like, it's hot out. Let's just take the day off. And there was nowhere to go. There was a Holiday Inn Express and a Walmart. And literally, it was so weird to walk in and see, like, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, like, playing video games at Walmart while Marshall Falk was eating popcorn. You know what I mean? Would the media stay? Like, would uh, it's probably a better question for Chap. Would Chap, like, get a hotel room at Rose Holman when they were out there, you think? That's a good question. That's a good question. We did, in Macomb, we did. Stayed out there because it was four hours from anything. And again, now this isn't the norm. I mean, the Colts are one of, I think, just half dozen teams that go off-site for their training camp. All right, the next day that we will be out here is Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday of next week, we will have uh, the show from live here from Grand Park. So back in studio tomorrow. Again, practice day number six, a full pad of day. Thank you to Zach Kiefer. Stephen Holder, by the way, hopped on with us for a few Impromptu. minutes. Uh, he had an article on the Jonathan Taylor situation that we just felt necessary to chat with Stephen for a few minutes, um, so enjoyed that conversation. He is Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Again, 107.5 The Fan will have your latest here from Colts Camp. Bernard Ryman, by the way, on the Midday Show today. Signing off, Kevin and Quarry from Grand Park. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.